Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's good, Internet? It's Monday, November 16th, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 360, 360 degrees on your ass. We have have every (laughs) angle covered on video games. You know you want the best tech reporting. That's us. That's Waypoint. You know you want the breakdowns or the previews of what's coming up later this year. You know you can tune into Waypoint. That's us. What else is us? You want to know how to play video games? We got got them. We got them. What do you want to know? Just ask us. Ask us fucking anything. Ask us anything. (laughs) Why do you... Why do you think we have that website or that that, that email, gamingadvice.com? <laughs> we give gaming advice. Uh, I'm Austin Walker. I'm joined today by Kato. Yo. Patrick. Yo. And Rob Zachney. They were so busy giving gaming advice, it never occurred to them to read the questions asking for it. <laughs> no. Oh, listen, we re- I read those questions, and then we do a podcast for two hours, and no one has time to do... Here, do you, you ready? I think we cover everything. I think we cover everything. Here we go. J- uh, JS writes in, JJ Abrams, Cross Demon Souls, <laughs> Mono No Aware, e- minus mon- Mono No Aware, uh, uh, equals Blue Points Demon Souls. Done. That's, that's a question asked and answered. Uh... This person is asking us to enter the electrosphere and get data swallowed. So that's actually I'm, I'm gonna actually. Are you reading the other, wait, 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 the electrosphere. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait. The Ace other combat. Week, y'all dipped your, yeah, uh huh. Y'all dipped your toes into the strange reality. Like, hold on, I want to get swallowed. And got a hint, <laughs> got a hint of the majesty that is Ace Combat Three electrosphere. Rob, please, for the love of the deep blue sky, play that damn game. The Japanese version via Project Nemo with the sweet 90s production IG style is very much all about Corpo Nations duking it out. Uh, love it. It's apparently including, yeah, it's the original Ghost in the Shell uh, uh, studio worked on this, apparently. Mm. You should oh, you shit. should play. I played this game back in the day. I didn't know about the, the connection to that studio. Anyway, I feel like we got, <clears throat> that's it. We kind of covered all emails that's right here. That's the fucking question bucket. Oh, Patrick, what? there's like answers. We got tips in here for you. Oh, you want shit. a tip? About what? Not a question, just a comment. This one's from Kyle. Oh, in my right. city, if you want the trash collectors to take something that's too big to fit in a regular trash can, you can go to the Department of Public Works and buy a bulk removal sticker for five bucks. Slap that baby on a trash can, put it by the curb on trash day, and no longer have that trash can. Not sure it works the same in Patrick City, and I'm guessing I'm not the first or only person that writing seems, about this. That seems normal city stuff. That I bet right. that's true. Yeah. I bet in Jersey, true. you just like tape a sign near trash can and says, this is a rat. He squealed. <laughs> And uh, they just they just carry it out, carry it away. <laughs> the sticker actually just says, "You know what to do." 
<laughs> no, no <laughs> specifics. If you stick a suspiciously rolled up carpet in your trash bin, the entire thing will disappear. God. Um, yeah. Uh huh. That's that. That makes sense to me. Um, all right. Well, we did this. Di- we did this. This quick dip into gaming at vice.com. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, there's a the lot game of the year stuff is we have to have to. a meeting soon about that. And I'm inevitably one of those podcts will be a questions. Deep, yeah. Be we'll, a question. So a question bucket. Deep don't dive. worry. There's so many. <clears throat> um, we have other, other things to talk about more important things than, than anything else. And that to me is the most important story of games of the year is Rob mm-hmm. Zachney's becoming a, a, a soul's, is becoming a soul's aficionado. We had the be- the best, <laughs> I, just the biggest smile on my face in a private combo that we had uh, a couple of a couple of days back, where Rob was just answering the kinds of questions that just you see the light go on, and I yeah. I don't know if it'll stay. Maybe it's just a flicker. It's just like an ember that Austin and I need to like blow on gently, like. You yeah. gotta relight that flame. We gotta relight the flame. <laughs> I think he's I think he might need to summon me into Tower Knight so we can keep that flame alive. As Do it. Maybe what I'm picking up on so far. But Rob had, had some questions that uh more or less amounted to Did I just ruin a bunch of video games for me because I played a Souls game? Yes, my son. <laughs> yeah. You have. Yeah. How you Rob, doing, where Rob? are you at? Where, yeah, where are you at in Souls? What's the situation? So I'm basically where I was. I'm on Tower Knight. Um and the issue, so to the your your partner of, is calling you out, asking you, "Are does this whole game take place on this bridge?" <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, uh. <laughs> body! I am also, I have also uh, received the complaint that um, the "you died" sound cue is getting quote annoying. <laughs> um, so Ooh. things are going well Ooh. over here. Um, and the fun of having a centralized place that you probably play your video games that is that you can't just like shut a door and be like, I'll, I'm just gonna go yell at this TV for the next two hours. <laughs> also, I, I did ask if the dragon screaming was getting annoying, and uh, <laughs> MK responded, Well, it's so constant, it's easy for me to uh, tune it out. <laughs> so Things are going well at the Bulletarian Palace. Um, about about how they were before, from what I can glean from touring some of the Bulletarian Palace, uh, but it's just a little different uh, yeah. now. So I think to your question about keeping the flame uh, stoked, definitely the thing that I'm running into is just it's hard for me to keep swapping between this and other games. Like I feel yep. like the thing I'm going to have to do to really make progress in this is buckle down and focus on just like playing demon souls um it's because- that or the 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 you you the reason you brought up the message because you're in this is a very familiar territory and this is often like a oh, make yeah. or break on whether you're going to be able to just like these games like this this is something it's part of all of them it doesn't go away i'm not even necessarily agree that it's like a great part of it but it is it is part of it is is the run to the boss um these games Although, if you were to play like a Dark Souls three, where they finally just go, I don't know. Here's a thousand checkpoints. Yeah. Like there are there are instances where it's 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 less uh, egregious in the way Demon Souls does its checkpointing. But the and and it's in Demon Souls specifically, this run across the bridge to Tower Knight is is itself one of the harder, like more annoying ones to deal with. But this idea where like you have to spend so much psychic energy to just get to the thing. And then you can walk in the door, do one yeah. bad roll, and he hits you with his giant shield, and it's like and you're done. Well, I didn't even make it up to the archers to try and give make this a little bit Dude. easier. There's apparently a trophy <laughs> to 
beat Tower Knight without the archers, which that sounds not fun. No, uh, I, I guess if you were like, I guess Does that I count could, if you summon, if you had someone that could like help you out with it, probably not. I bet the trophy doesn't probably not connect. The so the the wild thing is uh, after I beat my first boss, um, you know, you get your body back and you get your maximum hit points, etc. <laughs> a, a brief. And, oh, yeah, OK, sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so then I was like, oh, this is awesome. I am just like <laughs> death incarnate here. I am the king of the Boletarian palace. You have twice and as I, much health. You have twice. Tw- oh, yeah. Well, depending on if you wait, like, if you know, there's that ring or not. that yeah, gets yeah, you up yeah. a little bit. But either way, it's like I really quick, take- you are wearing the cling ring, right, Rob? When um, you're not in human yes. form. Okay. Yes. Making sure. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so I went. So I was like, okay, on to the next thing. And I started making my way across the bridge. And my first time through, I think I was on that bridge for like an hour or like an hour <laughs> sure. 15, like exploring every nook and cranny, like going under the bridge. Like, ooh, what's in these tunnels? Oh, it's that night guy that needs my help all the time. Uh, who might be a ghost. I don't know. He needs help, though, and he's he's upset. And I got to fight these wolves, and now back onto the bridge, and, oh, I've outrun Those the dragon. Those wolves suck. Uh, the, the, wolves are, the wolves are bad news. Um, I, do not like, I do not like the wolves. Um, as many times as I've tried to inch forward to like just bait one at a time and make it like as easy as possible. Somehow you still end up the easiest two of them. The easiest time I had with it was when I fucked up and actually pulled all of them at once and they arrived all at the same time. And just one heavy attack with the Falchion killed literally all of them in one strike. <laughs> and I was like, I can't reproduce that. I fucked up. Yeah. I fucked up my way into a success and now I can't, it's gone. Um, but then, so I like, I have a tense moment, like at the very end of the bridge, like fighting a ton of archers and like two of those um, guys with like tower shields, uh, like the, the heavier knights. And I'm like, cool, I'm on a real run here. This is fantastic. Go through the fog. I literally, the cutscene plays. I literally have long enough to be like, what the fuck? And then it starts to wind up and I'm like, I better dodge. And I do not dodge far enough and the tower knight just kills me like i did like literally i had playable control of my character for like three seconds after the cutscene ended yeah and then i was just gone i was done yeah and would you wait in that situation if you you had seen the first living human the majesty of that right yeah enormous that motherfucker's gonna kill me if i don't act right now the tower knight was more afraid of you than you were of him (laughs) (laughs) they they only do this when they're in distress uh (laughs) <laughs> well, but, and also like Demon Souls is I and I, I forget the you know having gone you know it's just me just went back to it like the first two bosses in Demon Souls are strange and out of character for like just you know you think in your head or like your characterization of Souls like oh like right there's like this boss that's coming at me I'm circling around them and they might have some spectacular sort of aesthetic to it but like it's a little more grounded um, but like <laughs> the first boss in Demon Souls is a blob that we have to like deal with a bunch of mobs for 45 minutes. Um, unless you bring in, you know, 15 firebombs and just finish the boss in 30 seconds. Um, or in the tower night, who is this giant, you know, ha- and has other things going on with the art. Like it's just like a unique way to start because, um, the bo- the bosses in demon souls are just like a unique, even across like the spectrum of enemies in the souls games, uh, writ large regarding the phalanx and the, and the blob. Um, that's interesting, but I'm supposed to like deal with the mobs. Um, because no? what if my strategy was luring the blob 
over to a tricky corner of the space where it couldn't, uh-huh. it was like trying to do a K turn in too narrow an alley and just like ended up with its blobby center totally exposed and it wouldn't move. And so I just kept running out from behind a pillar being like, ah, 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 and then running uh-huh. back behind the pillar. That's, that's demon souls. That's baby. souls. That's <laughs> there's souls. no, there's no cheap way to win because no, the it. game itself that's is like, I'm going to fuck with you. And so it's yeah. like, you take whatever leverage you can get. And but if that the exchange, is, okay. yeah, the exchange for that is you show up at the tower night. He's going to stomp on you in three seconds. Like, okay, <laughs> yep. you want to cheese me? Let's go. It's, it's, it's gloves off. Except I'm now keeping just his gloves to, on. They help protect me from your arrows and magic. Now I just need to lure the tower knight over to like an <laughs> overpass that's too low. But it uh-huh. just doesn't see the sign and just gets stuck. Um, <laughs> then you're good. Then but, you'll be good to go. My advice to yeah. you really is, and I said this privately, go yeah. try out 2-1. Go try out the 3-1-4-1. Feel out what else is happening in these other spaces. One, there is good stuff there, good loot, good grinding opportunities across the rest of uh, of the the levels. Two, I think they'll really put two or one two in perspective in terms of how horrifying it is in contrast to what el- other places you could be. I think you go see the beginning of two one, you're gonna rush back to that tower night. I can't wait to deal with those dragons. Like Latria, more <laughs> like uh, mm. Latrinia, <laughs> but yeah, it's. Like- Dude, it is uh but but here's the other thing. The the reason I think and I messaged you guys that it was kind of ruining me for other games is I went from this and I started playing um Assassin's Creed Valhalla again. Mm-hmm. And a couple days ago, I was like, oh, like, I I'm enjoying this combat. Like I'm playing at a harder difficulty, like parry timings, etc. Like I'm going to like I'm going to approach the combat a little more seriously in uh Valhalla. And I'll, you know, I, I seem to be enjoying it. Like the system, the system's cool. I, I dig it. And then I played Demon Souls for like a day and a half, and I went back to Valhalla, and I hated it because, <laughs> like, it's molasses. It's so slow. There's so much inertia, but it doesn't feel like the inertia I can control. Like, okay, so I know these are all cliched thoughts, but I'm having them for the first time, so I'm just going to talk no, about it. No, it's fine. This talk is, through it. Uh, Rob, I could not yeah. be happier this to have this conversation yet. for the 20th time in my life. <laughs> yeah. it is, every time, it is a joy. Like, in Valhalla, like, the parry timings are so loose that I don't feel, like, each time it feels a little bit like I'm rolling the dice as to, I wonder if I'll get the parry this time. Because it doesn't feel like super tuned. Neither do the hit ranges of weapons and the the arcs of of enemy attacks. So even though there's a lot of systems that are trying to do some of what uh, like Demon Souls is doing, it's all like a little bit looser and slower, and leads to a little more button mashing. Plus, because it's a little cruder, I think they end up skewing it to make the system a little simpler overall, which means enemies have much more basic attack patterns and the combat begins yeah. like kind of uh, feeling a little bit washed out. And it was like night and day going from Demon Souls to Valhalla. I was like, oh, I hate this. This is this is terrible. Um, it's like I'm playing a game with a broken controller almost because in demon souls everything felt really precisely under my control like timings of things having to react to what enemies were doing um the exact like fight distance between me and an enemy like 
was really carefully calibrated. Like it mattered, like it felt like, you know, it was a matter of inches, whether I was safe to, to dodge a strike or whether I was vulnerable. And so it like, it really did immediately kind of ruin Valhalla because Valhalla is like trying to do that system, but it's all really imprecise. It's all like really much cruder. And then Demon Souls, it all felt, so precise that it became after I got over some of the learning curve, really intuitive. Like I got a real sense of like, I know what my character is going to do when I dodge this way. I know what's going to happen when I just jump back. I know the exact range of this particular sword I'm carrying and like what it's going to do. If I launch the strike here, when these enemies are grouped up that way. And that is tough to like, it's difficult to accept a substitute for, for that. Um, once there's like stakes and specificity in combat it, and you then realize how many games are so much looser with their definitions of that, whether intentionally or just because they can't replicate, you know, like what, you know, what from accomplishes in their, in their combat systems. Um, it's, and, and that, that, you know, stuff like this makes me excited for you to like, at least like download Sekiro to see like, yeah. uh, you know, the way they push the, the 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 like the window of specificity like in a certain direct like that's just that game where it's like this is all timing it's all parries it is all pattern recognition in a way that like the souls like uh uh you know dark souls um demon souls um you don't have to parry Mo- a lot of people don't i've been i've been trying to do it more since i re-rolled a new character that i can get to in a second because um this is not something i've done in the past but mm-hmm. you can there's no requirement like Sekiro, you have to parry in order to like participate in, that's in the, the game, game. Mm-hmm. yeah, because that's what it is. Whereas, whereas in Dark Souls, it's a little squishier on like what your approach can be. It gives you a lot more uh, freedom. But like once you started to define what your character build is and what you feel comfortable with, like you can you can acutely describe everything about your character and what they can or can't do in a situation, which is just not true in most video games. And it is often you know one of many things that re- then leads to people sort of falling for these games because because you get you become part of the hive mind and then go well yeah, yeah, know, yeah. the other stuff just doesn't hit quite as hard the That's, the thing i want to oh, go ahead kata i was just gonna say like that feeling that rob you're having right now is exactly how i felt jumping from Sekro to uh 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 star wars fallen order like right. it was that it I like wanted to enjoy that game so much, but like ha- having those two be so close together in the end ended up be like I just it felt Fallen Order felt wrong all the time because I was so in the mode of the this very the specific specificity of Sekiro especially that I couldn't you know get into the groove of this kind of looser combat. Uh, just to speak to that real quick, yeah, I think some of what that is. It doesn't highlight, I don't want to say, oh, all these games are bad because they're not doing this. I think it highlights every game is going to be choosing which corners it's going to cut, right? Mm -hmm. Where is it really going to put its focus? And I think it highlights the degree to which like a lot of melee combat systems are not super precisely tuned, maybe in part from a, uh, you know, just a production, uh, ease of production standpoint. But I think also looseness probably helps to a degree with some accessibility. Uh, mm-hmm. where oh, absolutely. like, you know, if timing windows are much broader, that means it's tougher to develop a sense for what the timing window is exactly, but it becomes easier to just hit it just cause you know, like when you see an animation, you should probably like hit block and it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Well, fall in order, like specifically, like specifically tuned in on like you, part of the difficulty slider was to pick, what do you want the parry right. window to be? Like, do you, do you want it to be loosey goosey and you just kind of hit L2 
like when you see a an enemy, you know, throwing a lightsaber, or or do you want it to be like dang? You have to, like in Dark Souls, where you have to kind of match it with the the attack coming at you, and you're you literally feel like you're parrying it with your your shield or or whatever. Um, and so th- that that is that is definitely true. Do the parries feel good with the new controller? Is there like any sort of special like parry feel with the dual? I don't, th- I don't think so. Okay. Uh, but I, mean, I think I think what he's speaking to is like sort of like with the special the firebomb, like, like you getting like, like an it. indication ahead of time. Like I don't, I, I've been really emphasizing parries in this new character I rolled, and I, I, I don't. Yeah. I feel like it's the same as anything else, where it's just like you're, you know, you're looking for that indicator, and you're, you know, on the animation. But I don't feel like I'm getting like a a rumble, you know. No, a I meant like an, a I didn't before. even mean a pre. I didn't mean a spider sense. I meant like a. Like a, a peggle, like explosion of joy as the controller shakes along with the good backstab or something. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think everything is more pleasurable with this controller Perry, because it's a better rather. controller. Sure, um, sure. And I think just in general, like the rumble features are also a little bit better. I think it would be amazing, like, if they fully embraced, like, what Astro's Playroom is doing. If you had some of that Astro's Playroom, like, variable tension in th- on things, like, oh, my God. I can only imagine how good, like, drawing the bow would feel. Uh, if, well, so like, I've heard um, that I haven't, I haven't had a chance to play it. I have it downloaded on my system. But Devil May Cry 5 got, like, a special edition for the new machines. And it's apparently one of the few games that, like, really embraces, like, the, the dual sense and tries to do something meaningful with the haptic triggers. And so there's um, one of the weapons you get in, in DMC5 is literally a motorcycle that you can <laughs> tear in two and then you're you're uh, bashing enemies with it. And you are – when you're hitting it, you have to, like, kind of rev rev it with the, oh my the triggers and you have to kind – you have to, like, really push on it. And I was reading that like, people got tired of it pretty – it was just like it's not yeah. – this is a game where you bash this trigger right. all the time. Like, it's, it's a character action game um, where you are just constantly hitting hitting these buttons and it got – um, sort of tiresome. So I could see, I could see it both ways. On one yeah. hand, I could see it being um, really interesting the first couple of times, and then like I'd be more interested in like a Last of Us style game than I would be interested in a in a Souls game. Like I feel like the combat's a little looser in a Last of Us versus like a, a Souls. I mean, maybe it could it could work, but um, and maybe the bow would be one of those instances. But I've heard that like in DMC five, it got like really it was like oh, really cool the first time. You're like, I really got to press this R two button in order to hit it, and then I was like, that's not fun the the fiftieth time. <laughs> I had to do this a lot. <laughs> so uh, the thing I want to I want to go back to really quick is that feeling of I'm curious to, to what degree the feeling of Valhalla being flat for you now really orbits around the fact that Valhalla is imitating Souls combat, like many 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 things are in terms of core button layout, uh, basic goals. Um, and I feel like we've seen a lot of that in the second half of the 2010s. Like the first half of the 2010s was everyone wants to do Arkham combat. Yep. The back half of the 2010s has been, wow, these Souls games sure are good. Can we do something like that? And there are cases where I think Souls-inspired stuff has worked. Um, but those tend to be the times when it's like a more dramatic divergence something like remnant from the ashes we're like yeah we're taking some basic souls ideas but the combat feels its own distinct thing whereas i think that the assassin's creed transformation has been very clearly like how do we how do we make souls a little more arcadey and give you some special abilities and i'm curious if that's if, if that if you think that that contributes to that feeling of like ugh, this is just an imitation this is just the it's oh, in the shadow of souls hands down i think it does because like the the mechanics are so similar. Um, but then you notice things like 
the fact that an enemy can't do anything in Assassin's Creed without giving you about eight different cues of what's going to happen. Like, it's not enough that they draw back in a really exaggerated animation. They also have to have a weird shimmer over, like, you know, their blade has to shine as it goes back. So you're like, okay, here comes the attack. And then, just in case you didn't get that, as the attack launches, you'll see a little flicker. Or maybe if it's a special attack, a little rune will appear. So, like, now you really know. And then if it's like a series, if it's like an animated combo attack, they will go through a really exaggerated like um, kata of it where you'll see them do the move and you will see the arc of the blades like crystal clear. So you see it once. It's like, this is what the enemy is doing. Like, (laughs) this is what you should, this is how you should handle it. And I don't mind that part, but I think where it really, like where it really begins to become unflattering is that. Assassin's Creed is just not designed to be as precise. Like to a degree, it feels like a less feels like a less tuned game. And I don't just mean that in terms of like overall uh, like combat mechanical design. I'm also talking about just the glitchiness or the jank mm-hmm. that you encounter with with Assassin's Creed. Like in one of the opening fights, um, you you fight this character uh, Kyotve who is the person you've been trying to get revenge on since the opening of the game. Uh, it's an interesting story in that, like, your revenge quest in some ways wraps up immediately. Like, the the beginning of the game is the end of a generational revenge story. Huh. Uh, but, so you fight this big fucker, and the hit, bo- like, just the hit detection didn't, straight up didn't work. Like, you're in your first really, like, uh, dramatic boss battle. It is a dramatic moment with all the characters that are in the story so far sort of arrayed around this. And uh, you're finally, you know, taking revenge on this bastard. And there's a point where, like, in in my battles with him, sometimes he would land these, like, devastating attacks that would just, like, one-hit kill me. And I was, like, 90% sure I was out of the attack radius. Like, I was like, that shouldn't have hit. Like, I should have been, I should have been clear on that. And then another time I got greedy and I was in there close, uh, just like wrecking him. And he launches this like one hit kill overhand strike that passes through the middle of my character model. Like it clearly hits and nothing happens at all. My character is fine. Mm-hmm. And that's the sort of thing where, where it kind of just breaks your confidence and trust in the system. And so then you start playing it much more broadly. Like Demon Souls, you start... I've started playing it pretty tight, right? Where like I'm trying to not dodge more than I have to because that's just going to take me out of counter range. And so like basically I'm trying to have an economy of movement and stamina in Demon Souls. In Assassin's Creed, because it's so loose, you start overplaying everything because that's kind of the only way to be sure. You can't really trust the the hit detection on the enemy attacks. So you might as well just dodge completely out of the area and then jump back in and launch the counter because the more nuanced like ways to handle that are just less easy to trust and they will bite you in really annoying ways. Right. And once right. you break that trust, you're just not going to chance like, well, maybe it'll work well in this boss fight. No, I'm not like once this thing is down below like half hit points, <laughs> I'm going to get super conservative and it's going to be dodge roll or us. Totally. I think uh, it's interesting that the the the, the, ten, the sort of what you're you're getting at by is by playing them at the same time. Whereas 
I haven't touched Valhalla yet, and I do want to play it, but I will probably do so once I've finished Demon Souls, specifically because jump between them ends up like doing what you, you you said, where like it makes Valhalla feel worse, and maybe not necessarily because of you know it, it, not its own fault. It's because you're you know you're playing something that are like pulling in two different directions. Whereas like I enjoy going to an experience like that after like the release of like all right, I finished a Souls game. You know, it'd be really nice right now, just something where I can just like whack, <laughs> whack, and like you just you it's a there's a like kind of like a release. Uh, and a relief that comes from like going to an experience like that where I don't have to worry about it as much. I can just kind of like muddle my way through it because at a certain point, like that's the the fun of a Souls game is like you are tied up into knots while you're playing it and then released once once it's over and then going to something else. I don't necessarily like crave that experience right away. It's like something that's like it's nice that like from software games come every two or three years. It's like, by the time the new one drops, it's like, whoo, like it's just been long enough that like, I'm ready <laughs> to go through that, that ride right. all over again. Um, but experience it constantly. Like, I don't, like, I don't seek out the other, like souls alike. So like, I've tried a Though bunch Neo of them. Neo 2 is just... coming to PC and next gen. Or PS, just PS5. <laughs> That's true. You summoned, you summoned <laughs> that into, into existence. existence. Like immediately yeah. after you put that podcast up that was announced, Raid was even after, just after the recording. Um, but I, I do want to emphasize that when I say like, oh, you know, it seems like Valhalla and recent Assassin's Creed games are like a pale imitation combat wise. That's only because I think that's what they're going for. I don't, I, yeah. I, I don't, uh, there's a world in which those games go for something. It's like, like to go back to your tuning metaphor, the thing that comes to mind whenever you say tuning is cars because you're Rob Zachney. And I don't <laughs> need my Prius to be tuned the same mm-hmm. way I need my Ferrari yeah. or whatever to be tuned, right? Like there are different goals and, and different tracks. And the, one of them is a racetrack and Demon Souls is a racetrack. It's like high performance, everything to get the experience where you swing your sword and you hit three guys by mistake and it feels incredible. You need the rest of it to, 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 you need it to not be achievable, like on demand instantly for, for the moments of great success that to happen, you need that feeling of, of, um, of a really highly tuned, uh, carefully structured encounters, all of that stuff, not big open spaces where you can just kind of bounce from skirmish to skirmish, which is, a, you know, a hallmark increasingly of these Assassin's Creed games, etc. Assassin's Creed, you just need a different thing. And if anything, it's a call. I wish I, I, I want designers to make systems that fit their goals and, and thematically and, and mechanically, experientially. What do we want the player to feel like? And I haven't had the combat in the AC games for the last two titles. I haven't played Valhalla yet. Uh, but for Origins and Odyssey, has not made me feel the way I think I- I'm intended to feel necessarily mm-hmm. as those characters. It's mostly been like, mm, yeah, this is sort of like Souls, but with special abilities. It's weird that, they, that they've that they done this. And that's not putting my head in the game. Um, and, and so I, I definitely encourage I, – I, I would like to see that team – Try something else in the next in the next game. Be more Devil May Cry than Souls. Sure, but like it would fit, I think it would fit. Or be more dinosaur going for either yeah. either way, right? Yeah, or, or, mm. yeah. There, there's there are other models out there. Do you know what I mean? Um, I, th- I think there's other stuff. Like I, I talk about Dragon's Dogma a lot. Dragon's Dogma is super interesting because that's a game that seems in conversation with with uh, the Souls games, uh, and it and it is, but like doesn't have a lock on. It just does not have a lock on, and it doesn't have a lock on because it's the Monster Hunter team. And Monster Hunter didn't have a lock on at the time. I you know what? Not mentioned right? anywhere in these Capcom leaks. Dragon's Dog Two, dude. I worrying. know. I don't want to worrying. talk about it. It's worrying, or they're keeping it super <laughs> secret just for us. And but. it's probably and it's. Probably pretty. Uh, everything in this leak early. was like for things happening in twenty twenty one. Yeah, so. I think if it's happening, it's uh, bad. That, bad that Capcom was hacked. You know that's bad. But little bummed there was no dragons. Bummed on. Bummed this is bad for Capcom, but it's incredible <laughs> content. <laughs> uh, 
so I one other thing I want to get at is um so the the balance I'm gonna have to strike is wanting to puzzle these things apart for myself versus just like phoning a friend or going to look up like there's nothing wrong okay I want no. like I want to make this crystal like this tension is fun and you should have this in yourself but yeah the the souls uh like the way people talk about these games can sometimes make it feel as though they are different than the game that is presented in front of you. Yes. And the game that is presented in front of you is a game that says you can summon other people in here. You should play with other people. You this can, is yep. a, an oppressive experience, an oppressive atmosphere, but it is one in which there is community. And there is one in which like you playing this game with other people, defeating bosses together um, is, is part of it. Um, but I, you know, even though like, I like to like, you know, say that I play this game solo, I find enjoyment in that. But like, there, I think sometimes the extension of that from like the the way the community talks about these games, um, uh, larger gives the sense that like d- doing anything but that way of playing them is uh, like throwing up a white flag. When also like looking things up in, about these games is totally fine too. Like the stats don't explain themselves, you know, you know, and stuff like that. Or th- so much of enjoying these games, yes. I think, is figuring out like. Where, what is your box as a player? Like, what, what do you like? Ah, I don't really want to deal with this. And so I'm going to like look this up or ask for help here because this is the part that I really enjoy. I'm just going to focus on on that part. I yeah, I mean, I definitely like the thing I'm trying to preserve myself is a, is a balance of like the good frustration and the sense of like discovery Versus, like, just moving on from just being too frustrated. Like, I can already see I probably got probably another 10 or so tries at Tower Knight. And if I don't start making real progress, like, I'm just going to be like, okay, coach. what's the, like, what am I supposed, what does this fight want me to observe? What am I supposed to the do thing, This is the thing that I, I do want to emphasize is it is totally possible that you have the strategy down and are just not there yet in level because the rest of the game has opened up for you to go explore where you can go level up. Yeah, like, out. if you had, like, 10 soul, if you, like, upgraded or, 10 levels upgraded your and had, had just enough hits I mean? or health um, right. or stamina that, like, you would suddenly go pop into that fight, you know, six hours from now and go, oh, right. all right. There was a I, blacksmith in one of these other levels you haven't been to yet who will upgrade your weapons for you. Yeah. You know, like that. Uh, is, I just, that yeah, but I haven't been able to get a glove on the Tower Knight because like my falchion just uh, like I like by the time I get close enough, I'm just I just get fucked up real fast. Yeah. yeah. Listen, um, maybe you got to go figure out some magic. Maybe you got to go, you know, explore the yeah, world. We got a little bow and arrow, too. Um, oh, arrow. Also, should, sh- um, I didn't realize uh, how leveling worked. So the first time the goth lady showed up and was like, I'm here to unlock power of souls. I was like, well, I don't have many souls. Uh, okay, I get one level. Totally forgot that I had a big basket of like souls on like a and big shoe like, on them. Yeah. yeah. And so then I was like, okay, I'll just do, I can do that oh, later. Can you, I'll can go you, back to the next you do more than one at once in the remake. Yes. Yeah, you can just okay. like, you can well, just pop I'll, a bunch of souls. I'll let them. You know what? That's a good one. That's a good change. You'll let them have that. I'll let them have that one. But so I was like, I'll just come back. Like, I'll come back to her later. Uh, I'll, like, or, or like once I realized, like, oh, that's how I'm supposed to level. I go back yeah. to the Nexus. She's gone. And yeah, she just wasn't there for one of the nah, times. She's I just went in back. a different spot. She moves. She's around. definitely there. She's there. Oh, somewhere. Okay. She moves. God, she's sit, that she's seated Why up can't... on some. Some other this place. She's this is like that, someone with, uh, the, with the monumental. It's like just <laughs> like look, just everybody get in your fucking places and like maybe <laughs> hang signs um, about. Well, do so. Someone someone uh, tweeted at me um, that they and I heard this was like maybe not common, but not uh, uncommon. Was that yeah? Demon Souls does not. It is possible to play that game and not have it fully communicated to you that you can level up. And there was someone that uh, mentioned that they made it. 
significantly far into the game before it was pointed out to them that they needed to go talk to the monumental and that unlocked like leveling up. They just were like, oh, I guess this is just how the game is and just kept going because the game doesn't like, come the back. Apex Predator they must have been when they when they realized that like. Just completely unleveled, getting like halfway through the game. Mm-hmm. Like I can mm-hmm. only imagine like once those training weights came off, uh, my <laughs> God, the, the power unleashed. Yeah, uh, it's- we, we should we should at least mention the uh, the experience that you and I had uh playing the game you wrote you wrote i don't know when this blog post is going. maybe it's up, it's now. Going I'm, up not, tomorrow. I'm not sure okay um but we should we should we should talk about it now but you should you should set up our experience playing this game together yeah this I put out was... a tweet but i the, the how we got there is worth talking about <laughs> yeah okay so um early in bulletarian palace i was just starting to get that like I had figured out enough of the opening run of the Bulletarian Palace that, like, I was starting to get pretty comfortable navigating um, up to a certain point. But I was also starting to get a little frustrated because, like, it was getting really cha- – like, doing all those steps every time was becoming really chancy. Like, it just – I knew what to do at every stage, but, like, doing it all in one run to get through was just, like, starting to get at me. And I was getting better at it, but there was this point where um, it's right after you uh, – come out onto this uh, wall where there's like a big thing of boulders in a Mm -hmm. um, like almost like a holding area. Like just there's just like a box full of boulders and you open the box (laughs) and the boulders come rolling out and they kill all the enemies on the rampart and you you follow them through and you come to uh, a fight with with two pikemen and I hate the pikemen. Their range is incredible (laughs) and they're surprisingly adept at like blocking uh, even though they don't have shields, um, which uh, is, again, just infuriating. So those guys are tricky to handle. Once I got past those, um, I'm sitting there, tons of souls, and I've got two paths in front of me. Off to the left, there's this, like, gallery uh, passage that appears to be open air. Um, and I don't know what's down there, but I do know that it's in the direction of a sleeping dragon. You could see off in the distance from the walls. And the other, the hallway in front of me goes up a flight of stairs to a long uh, ramp, like a long rampart to a gatehouse. And that's covered in dudes. There's dudes everywhere. Um, And I was just, I was just, I couldn't, I couldn't handle, like I'd gotten, like I was on a good run. I'd gotten really far and I knew something bad is probably going to happen down either one of these hallways and I just, I needed to, like, what was I supposed to do here? Was it, like, was this the point to take all my souls and run home to the Nexus and repair my gear and, like, just re-rack from here? Um, what was, was I about to just get, like, completely cheesed, walk, like, walking on any of those uh, hallways where I just get instant killed by by another, like, surprise trap that I, I was just done with at that point? <laughs> and so I'm like, how do, like, I need help. And usually what I do is I would probably post that on Twitter and be like, hey, uh, what am I supposed to do here? But I needed to have a conversation with somebody. Um, I needed to be like, not just which direction should I go, but I needed to explain what my reservations were. And like just my overall, like how I'm conceiving of this game. Like, is that correct? Like, what am I supposed to do here? And then I was like, wait. PlayStation 5, for reasons I didn't understand at the time, but now are all too clear, 
really centered like collaborative play in its UI demo. It was like, you can form parties with your friends and, and hang out while you play games. And I was like, if not now, then when? And so um, I was like, you know, Patrick, what's your uh, what's your what's your PlayStation Network uh, name? So we start on, Di- but like we like we start on Discord. He messaged me, he's like, "Hey, are we friends on PSN?" I'm like, "I don't, I haven't looked at my PSN friends list in years." <laughs> no, I was like, n- maybe not since they maybe? did they they made journalists verified on Twitter. I mean, it was maybe it was just when we were. <laughs> I was a giant bomb at the time that that happened. And they automatically made me verified and they made my friends list impossible because it's now just people who did a search for verified PSN users to just send friend requests to. And everyone wants to send a close – so on PSN, for I don't get it. on Xbox. What do you they, get from this? The there's, there's a friend request and then a close friend request. And a close friend request is so you can share real names, which is cool. I'm gl- I, I prefer that. I don't need to see everyone's like AOL screen name from <laughs> like 1992. I'd rather just see their, their real name. Uh-huh. Um, but it just means that like in the past when I'd see like close friend requests, I'm like, oh, that's probably someone I know. And then could just say yes, see the real – you can't see the real name until you click – you agree to reveal names to one another. But that – that is the, the purpose of that is defeated when I there are 75 yeah. randos saying close friend requests close friend and I requests, clicked on three please. of them and was like, I don't know who <laughs> Ludwig or like who I don't know who you are. So I'd have to wow. accept the friend request, Owned. see the name, not Ludwig at, uh, yeah. Yeah, at uh, <laughs> Xbox. Shout out to Ludwig. Um, and uh, no, he, he hooked us up. No, I, Ludwig was good. Um, but I like had to accept it, see the friend, the, the the name, realize I don't know you, and then unfriend them. So I don't know if they get a notification that says like That's Patrick Klepek has funny. friended you, and they're like, oh, <laughs> like he wants to be my close friend, and it's like, no, I did that just to see what your name is, so I could immediately unfriend you. <laughs> I had a high school friend like sign up for Twitter and DM me on Twitter to be like, hey man, I sent you a friend request on PSN six months ago. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, like, I don't know if we have beef. I don't know what the situation I was like, I didn't see it, dude. I'm sorry. Shout out to Brian. Uh, yeah, and so, like, I'm sitting there in the game, and I'm like, Patrick, like, okay, what's your what's your PlayStation uh, network name? Thinking that would be enough info to make him a friend mm. on PlayStation Network. Mm-hmm. It was not. Nope. Uh, go to the, like, so I go to my friends list. And it's all so my you go to your profile, your profile. So like in the upper right hand corner of the UI, you've got your little icon. Yeah. So you can go to that and then he says view profile. And in view profile, there is a tab called friends. And there are your friends. All of them. <laughs> there they are. That you've made before. Is it a place for making new friends? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, uh, it's not. <laughs> so you're like, I just stared at it. Like I started pushing random buttons, trying to make that like, maybe there's just a hidden like circle often does things. There's a, there's a lot of sub menus yeah. in the, P- the PS5 UI where it's just like, I don't know, hit, hit the, the touch bar, you know, the thing and just like maybe something will pop up. <laughs> yeah. And eventually, so it like you were having the same problem. Eventually I was like, wait. There's a little magnifying glass icon on like like just the PlayStation homepage. Is that do I just look people up there? Is that their universal search? And indeed, that's what it is. Like there's one search function basically for all of PlayStation that you just go to. You want to find friends? Uh, go to the search bar and tab over to people. Uh, do you want to find games? Uh, that's, that's how you're going to search the PlayStation Store because if you open the PlayStation Store, you just get a curated like mishmash of top sellers and new games. But there's no like search the PlayStation Store for for the game you want. You have yeah. to use this like universal search. Anyway, add Patrick. 
Cool. Now I can send him a text message. Or I can voice chat him. What can't I do? Screen share, which is what I distinctly remember that PlayStation mm. like UI demo featuring. <laughs> and so I start like plaintively sending him screenshots. <laughs> I was gonna be screen- <laughs> he sends me a screenshot, and then I, I think I was playing uh, Miles Morales, and so it's like, oh, like uh, you know, Rob sent you a screenshot, and so like you click the PlayStation button, and it like one of the nice parts of the PS5 UI is like it'll just bring that up in the corner. Mm. Um, and you can interact with it while your game is still ongoing. So, like, I saw that screenshot, and I was like, I can't really see the thumbnail. Like, let me blow it up. Well, you can't. Like, in the notification version of it, you can't blow that up. You have to then, like, go into messages, scroll over to that screenshot, and then blow it up. And I'm like, okay. And he's, like, sending me a couple screenshots while clearly he's trying to is this figure good? out the rest of this fucking UI. <laughs> so... Then I was like, wait, wasn't there a fucked up, like, weird thing in the you, in the PlayStation demo? They want me to use that toolbar that I can bring up. And I bring it up, and there's a vaguely social-looking icon uh, <laughs> called Game Base. And oh, I'm like, okay, I'll go to the Game Base. And what all it brings <laughs> up is, like, remember that Destiny party you were in about a year and a half ago? You want to party up with those people again? I'm like, no. <laughs> no. Who's still playing Destiny. Uh, Kato, don't read this. Um, (laughs) but I was like, this is like, this is a conversation that's a year and a half old. I don't like, this is not relevant to me, but it it did turn out to be the place that I could create a new party, invite Patrick, begin the voice chat, and then had the option of screen sharing. And then it got really cool. Like this was not only was it really helpful, um, but it was also like, MK was across the room. She was like, it's like Patrick just walked into the room. It's like Patrick is here with us. When you don't have to, um, and, and crucially, you don't have to plug in a microphone. Like you can, right? Yeah, if you right. want to have better sound, headphones, you can do that whole thing. But there's a microphone built into the 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 controller, and it's not fantastic, but it sounds just it does it doesn't sound any worse than putting your phone it does the on job. speaker. Right, right, right. Um and and it allowed Where is the me audio to hold coming like, out of? Is it coming from the TV? Where is Patrick's No, voice? from the, the controller. Yeah. Okay, so, the, so, that, so that's speaker. It's got a tiny little speaker right here below okay. the uh, touch bar. Um and it's tinny, but actually pretty good quality. Like it's yeah. loud, and l- loud, loud enough. Like I had, you know, I had his stream on on the TV <clears> and then you can also snap it. Like if I was like playing the, you know, you, you can like share both of your streams yeah. and have that in the corner while you're both playing if you wanted to, which sounds like neat. But I had it full screen and then I'm holding my controller and we're just talking to each other as he is like walking me through like his thought process on this as he approaches this bridge. Yeah. It was and really then fucking cool. Like and uh, like it was totally seamless. Like on my, on my PC when I'm streaming, I know I'm fucking streaming like I can see the performance hit as it's like, oh boy, here we go. I'm trying to send these frames out into the world uh-huh. and everything kind of chugs a little bit. Usually uh, here it was totally like silky smooth. Um, no performance hit uh, steady, steady quality uh, on, on the call. And like there was, it, you know, it wasn't laggy. Patrick, Patrick was seeing what exactly what I was doing in real time. And so he was able to like, he was like, okay, have, have tremendous anxiety and also try and do out advice at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And you sort of talked to me across the bridge where there's going to be this dragon strike. Um, and then you were like, just run, just run, just run. And I was like, okay, but I got to pick up the shinies. Right. And you were like, no, <laughs> uh, you got about 10 seconds before this, this fire God. breathed out your neck. Yeah. Uh, 
And then I was like, cool. All right, Patrick, thank you. And you're like, I'm not leaving. Uh, I want to see you uh, go fight this boss. I knew because once you get to the other side, you got to open the gate. And I'm like, let's go. Like, I want to see, let's, yeah. let's see what happens. Get there. <laughs> and the answer was I didn't get to the boss. I got <laughs> killed in a stairwell. I got I oh like I got trapped in a corner and the camera, like because there was no longer any space behind my character, the camera kind of moved through my character's body. And so I had no idea yeah. where I was mm-hmm. relative to the dudes. And I just got killed. And uh, to top it off, my sword broke. And that's what I originally called Patrick about. I was like, hey, my sword, like, should I just run this back to the Nexus and get this thing patched up? And Patrick was like, absolutely not. Now yeah. I had a broken sword. And but, but, but an open gate was but, more important to have the open gate. That is than true. To have the in, sword. in the end, that did that did prove more key. But like you like you stuck around long enough to realize I basically had no weapon to deal with this boss. <laughs> like uh, I figured it out. Like I could see the little like uh, little center of the blob and I stabbed it with the mail breaker, uh, which is like a little rappear like sword. Um, and <laughs> like six damage. I was like, well, this isn't going to work it. out later. Rob. Like this is uh, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> yeah. I think you got it. <laughs> Have a good just one. Just go, uh, go repair it. Just go, you know. It. Look, but now the gate's open. You can just go grind these guys. Uh, it'll be fine. You just go repair Done it. My and job. Uh, you'll beat this. You'll beat this thing. Um, it turns out there's way more grinding involved because my my second try I'm trying to feed, beat this boss consumed most of my grass. Um, so now I lost the ability to heal, and so then I had yeah. to just do multiple runs, uh, basically where I was like gathering up grass and souls and repairing shit and buying more grass to the vendor. And then I beat the boss. But it was it was really cool just being able to. It really did feel seamless. Like it was like it was the closest to couch co-op I think I've ever had, like with a stream uh, solution. It was really cool. Awesome. Patrick, briefly, at least tell me about this character you keep teasing. Who? What is your new build? What'd you read? Oh, well, it's I, I, you know, I played like a couple hours as a royal, which is, you know, like the the like the heavy magic build with the like overpowered magic missile soul arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just kept bugging me. I was like, do I really want to play this game all, all over again with like the same character having the same encounter? Because it became very clear, like, no, this is a pretty faithful remake, at least, uh, you know, on a gameplay level. So it's not as though I'm going to have a fundamentally different experience. I was like, well, I should just. I should just start over, even though I can't, you know, you can't respect in Demon Souls, which I looked up to double check. I was like, well, maybe I can just like play another three or four hours and, and then just like buy a, Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah. like, I'd already put like 10 levels into magic. And it's like, well, if I'm going to play a different build, like those are just wasted levels. So I was like, you know, whatever, I'll just start over and I, I'm sure I can blow through the first couple hours of the game in, in half the time. And so, yeah, I started with a I did a a, uh, a priest. I can't remember. I don't know. It's a, it's a it's a a person who starts out with the mace and has the a healing spell. Temple knight, um, maybe is that right? Temple knight, temple knight. Oof, yeah, they had some really it. cool opening gear. Um, and I thought having the healing spell would be neat. So yeah, it's just it, that mace it, is useful. Like, Let me tell you, if there are some enemies in one of the levels that you can really do good work with, if you have a if yeah, you have a it's, club it's, it's, instead of a sword. It's really it's really fun to uh, duel. Like, uh, if you know, if you hit a triangle, right. you can hold it with two hands yeah, yeah, yeah. and really just fucking wreck some, <laughs> some damage. But it's just like fundamentally, it's like, it's just wild because I, all the encounters were brand new again. Because like, for example, the, 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 the kind of, uh, kind of like demon knights that have like the blue eye, you know, blue sort of like, uh, uh, faces, mm-hmm. um, have the big honk and shield. So some of the tougher enemies you fight, they're like the non-standard, sh- uh, uh, soldiers well when you have the soul arrow um 
one, you can just kind of pluck them from a distance. But even when they're coming at you, if you hit them, it's either two or three times, you stun them. Like you just you just stun lock them for like a good like three or four seconds. So you can get in there and just like, choot, 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 choot. well, you can't do any of that <laughs> when I've got the base. And I didn't uh, even realize that they could consume grass and heal themselves. Like what those enemies even, I didn't even know they did that because I never encountered them long enough to like see other bits that they did. So it's made, it's, it's accomplished exactly what I wanted to do. It was like, okay, this feels like fresh and different and I can't just rely on what I was doing in the past. Um, and even the... The fight against the, you know, the the first boss it was like, oh, I, I could, I was able to just pelt this yeah. with magic spells from a distance. Um, I didn't b- b- uh, budget into a corner the way that uh, Rob did. Instead, it was 45 minutes of me just like circling around, like getting my hits in on these little dudes until I created enough of a window that I was able to take out the, um, the, the first boss. Blob. But it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was satisfying. So, uh, to, you know, Rob, I'm on my way to the Tower Knight, and you know, if you need a a, a summon, bro, I'll be there. I'll be Incredible. there. I will help you. Um, before we uh, we tag out because we're gonna gonna tag out. Patrick and I are gonna tag out this episode for Emmanuel and Matthew Galt to talk about some Call of Duty stuff. Um, and anything else? Reagan Cast. The Reagan, yeah, Reagan Cast, uh, the new podcast <laughs> from Vice Media, <laughs> season one, season one. Kato, Kato with the reaction that makes it feel closer to home than intended. Um, some other stuff we've been playing. I, I, I put some more time into the Pathless, which is out now on Apple Arcade and I think on Epic. I, I don't, I don't think the console release has hit yet. Maybe it has actually. Maybe, 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 maybe. yeah. No, it's on PS5. It's on PS5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a headline that was like the quiet PS5 masterpiece. Da, 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 da. And I, I don't want to. I don't think I go that far. I don't think I go as far as masterpiece. I'm enjoying it with some some caveats. Um, for people who don't remember, uh, the Pathless is uh, the giant squid developed game uh, published by Annapurna. Giant Squid put out Abzu a couple of years ago. Um, uh, it, it's a game in which you. It's a game that feels like a response to people saying like, "I really like Abzu. I really like Journey." I wish I could shoot something. I wish there was more going on. I wish there were <laughs> more, co- more mechanics. I wish there were more like mechanics. I wish mechanics, there were collectibles. Yeah. I wish there were, you know, whatever. You are playing a kind of um, uh, a heroine who comes to this island, this this kind of big uh, series of, of connected kind of tiered um, uh, environments. Uh, uh, you're a hunter. You have a bow and you you very early on. Uh, get an eagle buddy who is like the embodiment or the avatar of or a descendant of an ancient eagle god um, or goddess. Uh, and you uh, are on this island to there, – there's a way in which this game feels like the – I don't want to go as far as optimistic, but feels like a re – in a reinterpretation of or a response to and in some ways i think it's a little it's a little sophomoric in its in its positioning of shadow of the colossus shadow of the colossus of course mm. being a game in which you kill a bunch of giants and like the whole time you're like dude you have to stop killing these giants <laughs> these creatures are clearly like just just vibing and you are working with an evil god and to some degree when i say sophomore i don't mean that in a completely insulting way but it does feel like it comes out of the like 
that impulse of like, well, why didn't you just work against the evil person who wanted to destroy all the gods? And this is the game in which there is another character who is the hunter, who is the the god killer, the god slayer, who has killed the gods already and and corrupted them and turned them into a source of power for himself and wants to move the people into an age without gods. And you were there to cleanse the remaining spirits of the gods via boss battle, uh, via collectibles, <laughs> puzzles, and boss battles, um, and then and then beat them and then take some of their power, or be gifted some of their power to then eventually go take on the God Slayer himself. And, and so, when I, again, when I say sophomoric, I, I mean that in the sense that, like, there's a degree to which it feels like, well, why isn't there just an easy, an easier resolution? Why can't I be the hero? God damn it. You know what I mean? And this is the game was like, hey, if yeah. that's you, and that was me when I first played that game, probably, this feels like it leans in that direction. And, and, and I, and I think that it's really in conversation with Shadow of the Classes and Eco and, and all of those, the, the team, team Eco games in terms of tone and vibe. Um, uh, obviously also pulling a lot from Zelda in the puzzle design. You're in these big open areas, uh, and the basic, the basic way the game plays out is there are these towers around these big areas that have big, like, uh, when you put on your hunter vision mode, you can see they're, they're radiating red energy, and you need to go collect these, like, special, like, charms or talismans of the gods to then bring them to these towers, purify the towers, you purify enough of the towers, and it calms down, or I guess it weakens the corrupted spirit of these gods, uh, and then you can go fight the boss fight. Um up until that point, you're in the kind of like desaturated night mode of these areas and roaming around via these big, just a huge red storm are these gods, uh, or there's one per area basically. Um, and this storm will just roll in on you and will turn you into, turn your, your game into like a mini stealth segment as the god is hunting for you in the dark and you're trying to like go recover your eagle buddy or your hawk buddy to escape because your hawk can kind of carry you around a little bit. Um, and, and the way that this game makes those moments, especially, but the, and the boss fights too, feel perilous is, is pretty remarkable given that there's no health meter, there's no permanent loss, there's no game over screen in this game. You cannot hard fail in this game. But those encounters with the bosses are perilous to the degree that, like, I don't like them. Like, when the <laughs> fucking storm rolls in and hits me, a sp uh, and, and partially this is just annoyance, it's like, I'm doing a puzzle, I don't want to deal with this right now. <laughs> I don't. Like, let me deal with this fucking puzzle, I'm trying to, like, make progress. Um, but then you're in it, and it's like, this is actually very the 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 soundtrack, which is an Austin Wintery uh, soundtrack, uh, is is really really uh, um, you know powerfully emotive about that experience of being under threat, um, and I I think like the visuals and the the character design and all that stuff is all really really well done. Um, I despite all this, I don't know that it's I don't know that I am actually enjoying my time with it because. The, the way that the game sh is structured around these encounters does a thing that I think happens a lot in games, which is, so you beat the boss, and then you, the the area is cleared after you beat the boss, right? You beat the first boss, the, the, the darkness lifts, everything becomes kind of saturated with color, and if there are still puzzles around, you can go get those, you can go do those puzzles and eventually earn, like, a new super bonus, like a, oh, hey, you'll get extra speed as you're moving around. Uh, stuff like that. And that stuff is is neat, but it, it ends up feeling weirdly like busy work 
because you want to move forward to the next area, but now I'm just like stay in this area and do all the extra puzzles I, I skipped before. It's strange. I, there's like a degree mm. to which there's a disconnect between the the. Um, it's like another cl- classic games thing, which is like there's an impulse to keep going narratively. But what if I yeah. stuck around in this? Like I have to go rescue all these gods. But what if I stayed here and did block pushing puzzles for the for the next <laughs> two hours instead? Um, uh, I guess like my my final thought here is just like despite all of this, I am thinking about going back to it tonight and and maybe uh, going back and doing some of those earlier puzzles just because of the joy of of the feeling of speed in this game you it's you know left stick moves you around right stick moves your camera uh l2 sprints but you can only sprint when you have your stamina uh and you get stamina by shooting these kind of floating talismans that are spread throughout the entire world um and you do that while running because you just lock onto them it just has automatic lock on targeting with with things in front of you and when you get the shot you get a speed boost and your stamina bar increases and so you're doing these like long running strides then going into a slide as you're aiming as your character locks onto these things with the right trigger you really you know the, the kind of a, um, a meter around each talisman fills up quickly and you release and your arrow you know goes through the air hits the talisman you get a speed boost it feels incredible it really feels like the closest thing I can compare it to um, is like some of those very fast segments in Journey where you're sliding down hills. Like that feeling is in this game. This is like we want that to be the moment, the, the way you feel all the time, and that stuff really works. Um, but it's it's I do think it's hampered because they so badly want you not to have a map. They so badly want you to not have a menu. They so badly want to be you know the game is called the Pathless. There's no paths you know, in this game that, that lead you from point A to point B, you put on your hunter vision, you look out into the world and everything is like glowing in different colors to indicate like, oh, okay, this is a puzzle. It's blue. So I've already completed the puzzles here. It's red over here, which means there's still something else going on. But that is like, runs kind of counter to I've made a big open world game where you get a bonus if you do all the puzzles. I finished right. the second area last night and literally spent 40 minutes looking for one more puzzle to go to like the final puzzle in the in the zone so I could get the big bonus from the spirit that I'd cleansed. And I just like, couldn't find it because there's no map in this game. So it's very easy to get turned around. It was very easy to not see the red on the horizon. It ended up being like a little micro puzzle, you know, tucked into a corner somewhere where like the angle at which I could even see the glowing aura in the hunter vision was completely obstructed. And that was like, and then, and then I, I couldn't find the place to turn in the collectibles I'd gotten to redeem my new spirit power because there's no map in this game. Mm. I didn't remember <laughs> the after you cleanse the spirit, it's like, hey, come back here when you get all the when you get all the talismans because I'll give you a special bonus power. Where is here? I left here. You you teleported me here after a boss fight. I did not arrive here under under, under my own power, and then mm. I left. I didn't. I, there's no way for me to mark anything on this screen. I can't. So I took another 20 minutes i ended up looking up a video from someone else who played the game to see where they were at the end of the boss fight to be like okay where is this let me see if i could triangulate myself back to this temple because let me tell you this is a game filled with ruined temples it's filled Uh. with you know over overflow you know all of the things i was like i remember there were pillars there and i look around (laughs) at this world filled with ruined pillars fuck (laughs) i i guess Uh. i'll go to everything um so yeah it's like i i there's lots of really good impulses here. The game feels really good, but it's just it, – it's okay to put a map in your game. It's okay. Don't feel it's, so scared of a HUD. Or even 
Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, like, uh, a game that I feel like uh, took this I- I- ideal um, and did, like, a really good job with it this year was Tenderfoot Tactics, because what the, the change they made was not putting your character on the map, but still giving you map. Yeah. Right? right. Still giving you sure. something to uh, wayfind Work by. And also the like environmental yeah. design is very strong in there. Like the where like the where they place certain things like really do stick out in mm-hmm. a way that like you can kind of orient it yourself, even though it is still pretty difficult. And like part of it's part of what's really interesting about that game is just trying to like find your way without, you know, the traditional map system of having your character like move around on on the maps that the game gives you. Totally. Uh, um it feels like this was like kind of aiming for that feeling of you know being a lost in in a world, but still struggling to find your way through. Where, uh, it, but but you know without anything to kind of hold on to, that becomes frustrating, right? Like, or like it's fine in those first early hours when you're just like, I need. So every area has, let's say, ten puzzles, but you only it's more than that. It's more like fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need it's more than fifteen because it's. There are puzzles that give you the boss talismans. There's puzzles that give you currency or give you like coins, basically, and you get enough coins and your stamina bar increases. Hmm. Or you can get an extra flap of the wings of your bird, maybe. Maybe your bird can carry you up one more. I think that's what it is. Um, And it doesn't differentiate which which type of puzzle you're looking at when you're in your hunter. Uh, It's just red. So it's like, well, is this going to be the thing I need or not? I don't know. So it's not – there's – and there's more than you need. You only need, I want to say – Maybe it's three in the first section, six in the second section. I bet it's nine in the third section um, uh, to get to the boss fight. But there's always an excess of about ten after that for to get all of the collectibles and get the bonus. Um, and so there is a real hey at the beginning of a, of an area. Put on your mac- mask. You're, you're putting your hunter vision. You're going to be able to see what you need to see to make progress. But once you've started to whittle that down to less and less things, you're like well, where the fuck am I going? Mm. Anyway, Rob, you also had something here. No, I just I think there's sometimes been the tendency to uh, look at interface as the reason sometimes games feel less immersive, uh, right. and I do think that's a reaction to interfaces started getting busier and busier. Uh, but that was also driven by the way games were being designed, right? Like interfaces began to get jam packed because like they were overloading you with things of varying importance and not really letting, but they became check, very checkboxy type experiences in a lot of cases. I think the other thing that it points to is a map is not the thing that makes a a space feel real or uh, or lack of a map does not necessarily make a space feel uh, real or or worth paying attention to. What you're kind of looking to build there is a sense of placeness. Like spaces have to become imbued with some kind of meaning and familiarity. And I think that's the work that needs to happen if you're going to say, okay, well, you know, our game doesn't have a map. Great. Then you're going to have to create, like you're going to have to let me, in the process of playing this, really familiarize myself with the space immediately around, uh, you know, where my character spawns in. Like, these things have to become real places. But I think the legacy of open world games was, while they began, like, generating tons of acreage, they didn't generate a lot of places. The reason you drive around New York in GTA 4 with the map open is because it's not really New York. Like, these spaces are meaningless. You're just going to the next quest marker. Uh, you know, this is, and, and Assassin's Creed's solution to that was just to create more shit 
uh, to litter the map, to have more things to do uh, along your way from point A to point B. But I, uh, but I think all of this is kind of getting away from what the actual issue is for why players are so often spending entire games buried in their map or buried in the UI and not looking at anything around them. And I, and you can't just solve that by saying, and we shit can that UI. Uh, so now <laughs> yep. enjoy this glorious immersive experience. That wasn't that wasn't it. That wasn't the problem. It was a symptom. Totally, totally. Um, and, and I think that there is a world here in which adding all of those usability things here ends up making it just a stronger game um, that that feels no less immersive, right? Um, you have to trust you have to trust that the player will be if the player is going to be pulled in, will be pulled in by your verbs. Um, I'm not saying that like great presentation that is in line with what you're going for is is not a plus to that. But when you have a game that feels as, as good as this does, I promise I would be still talking about the way it feels to slide down a hill in this game, even if I could hit the back button to pull up a map really quick. <laughs> um, it, it wouldn't pull me out of that experience. Um, um, you just really have to I guess I guess they're what they're doing is prioritizing or trusting that their pathfinding like gameplay is as exciting as their mobility and puzzle solving and everything else. And it just isn't. Um, but, but you know, uh, if you, if what you want is to like scratch some of that breath of the wild open world puzzle itch of like, Oh, here are 10 statues on pedestals. And one of the pedestals doesn't have a statue on it. And I bet if I stand on that and face the right way, uh, I'll get some sort of little ding reward. Like this game does do that. The puzzle design is like generally pleasing to perform the solution, find the solutions for. It's a lot of like, it's a lot of like not block pushing, but simply like sort of block pushing, you know, sliding things around so that you can shoot an arrow through three different things and then hit a target or, or, you know, light, shoot an arrow through fire to light a torch over there and then use that torch to bounce an arrow off of a mirror and then da 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 da. Like, it has that style of, of puzzle design and that stuff is really good. And, like, I, I, I kind of wish that they would have trusted that, the end of boss fight stuff and not let the open world vision that they had cloud that that stuff um that that works so well so that's the pathless um again i might go back i to want to it, read something from kurt schilling about the pathless on twitter what video games are weird and he showed this image okay. what Pre- press and hold flap while gliding to perform a super flap this powerful move will consume consume a large number of flaps Damn, i haven't unlocked the super <laughs> flap yet i would love to have the super flap great band it's just the, the most video gamey thing it is it's great it really I love is. It. god um, and like someone wrote that was just like, yep, that's exact. I mean, it's accurate. It's just like <laughs> when you work on a thing for three years and like everyone loses their mind yeah, and just 100%. like no one puts their hand up and goes like this. What? <laughs> God. Um, anything else for the first half of this show here? Anyone else want to hit anything before we hand it over to the Reagan cast? <laughs> I'm just I'm, I gave in. I, I'm now paying Comcast an extra thirty dollars a month. For unlimited data, it makes me mad that that I had to do that. I still but don't think they're doing it with me. I still think I'm grandfather. You would know. I got I got an email yesterday that was like, "You've consumed seventy five percent of your data for the month," and I was like, "It's the sixteenth." <laughs> well, and it's you have two options. You can either pay month to month. You can choose to add thirty bucks to your bill. So I go from eighty bucks to you know uh, to hundred, you know, a little over hundred, <laughs> and uh, and. Or you can – so over COVID, 
between March and June, Comcast waived all data caps. I was like, look, people are at home using a lot more stuff. You know what? Just don't sweat it because this is just a switch in our back end and we don't, we don't, data caps are, don't actually exist. They're not a thing. It's artificial scarcity. Um, and then arbitrarily in June, they were just like, what if we just brought those back? And then they upped it to 1.2 terabytes, which is a lot. For a lot of people, that is that that is going to be more than enough on a month-to-month basis. But if you play video games, like, it's just, that's uh, tough. And so I really skate around it. I I would, like, turn the quality of, like, my the cameras in my children's rooms to low because it would, like, save me, like, 50 gigs as, like, I got towards the end of the month. And then I'd... If you get to if you breach it, if you hit 1.2 terabytes, then um, it's f- uh, ten dollars every fifty every fifty gigs up to a hundred dollars, um, which is ridiculous. And so Jeez. I paid the I paid the thirty dollars, and a lot of, a lot. Of, it's fascinating when I tweeted about it, where folks have Comcast in areas that, is, that where there's competition, so there's no data caps. Um, all the people that have data caps are in you know places where you just don't have other options like AT&T is in my area but it's worse service and uh like not that much uh cheaper so and and it has a data cap so it's like it's not that's not <laughs> someone's like you should call Comcast and threaten to quit and I was like and what like uh-huh. <laughs> they know where I live like Patrick, somewhere have, on their little I have stared them down and been like I will go to DSL if you do not stop <laughs> fucking with me yeah and like the the key to this is to sound like you don't get it enough that like it the, like basically they have to think you're ignorant enough to actually do this like you have to convince them that you do not understand uh-huh. that dsl is a different thing you have to be like i don't see why i'm paying this much when i can go to mom and pop's internet store and get their dsl and that costs half as much there's no data cap and they're like well see you got the ultra fast boost uh comcast xfinity uh performance uh-huh. package and i'm like that's more expensive than DSL, and DSL's got no data cap. <laughs> and they're like, but it's so much faster, and you can stream in 4K. You won't be able to do that with DSL. I don't know. It says DSL's high-speed internet, uh, so I don't What's see what the 4K? issue would be. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually, like, sometimes they will just be like, okay, uh, tell you what. How about we knock off these fees, and we give you premium cable packages, and will that <laughs> keep you and i'll be like oh i don't know dsl sounded good but i guess if you're giving me all the sports channels and uh <laughs> and all the premium channels and high speed internet for like 170 a month that works see i thought about that but i was so dispirited after the last time when i my, my wife and i decided to cancel cable and i called and i was like yeah i think i'd like to turn off my cable and they're like cool all right it's off whoa like, oh. oh man <laughs> Um, well, didn't even, you didn't even put up a fight. You just said, yeah, you're good. Your, your bill's now cut in half and you don't have cable anymore. I was like, oh, not going to, oh, wait, they, not gonna fight. they still oh, had you, they still had you on the hook for internet though, right? Yeah. That's the thing. They did, but when you're on the last they, thing knew- to cut, that's when yeah. it becomes serious. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And so I don't know. Like, I, you know, it, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Like that 30 bucks, it's not that much, but it's like just enough that I'm like, I'm going to turn it off well, on December 1st. And also and it's, it's grading because this is what it is to live in America in some ways is like you just get skinned by one like regulatory, uh, like one failure of regulation after another. 
you spend your whole life just paying above what the market would bear uh, just because, yep. oh, this has been constructed for the convenience of incumbents in the space. And <laughs> uh, there's nothing I can do. On that note, we should take a break. <laughs> we should tag out, tag in Emmanuel and Galt, and y'all can start talking about, I don't know, doing some CAA How dirty work here. shit. I don't know <laughs> what the fuck y'all do. Actually, I watched this, the endings of that game, is what I'll say. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Should I watch the endings of that game? Yeah. You should watch the I, beginnings, too. Yeah. Okay. I feel like people are going to make, <laughs> I, I don't know. Some Someone messaged me on Twitter and was like, why, are no one, why is no one talking about the ending to this game? And I don't know if they just didn't know there were multiple endings to that game or what, but eh, coward shit. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> okay. People can uh, people can can stay tuned to hear more about that game. Uh, Patrick and I are heading off. Find me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Patrick, where can people find you? Find me at Patrick Walker. All right. Uh, we'll be back with some new people to talk about Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Is that right? Is that the name of the game? Yeah. Haven't most of them been about the Cold War? <laughs> now it's about the coldest part. The end. <laughs> the end? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, good. The cold it's always before the cold. Thaw. Ah, damn it. <laughs> beat, beat. Oh, real quick before I go. Uh, I beat that Destiny expansion. Hey, yeah. nice. Campaign. I'm, I, have, I have two characters well, above... Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I beat the campaign, I beat the final boss, and then I beat the first set of like post game content things where you go back and you or you fight the like you have another fight in that area, Kato. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did all that stuff too. That stuff was nice. Good. Yeah, I still like Forsaken better. I went back and replayed parts of Forsaken. I was like, this is good. This is the shit I like. Um, so, <laughs> but it is what it is. All right, that's it. That's my destiny. Literal minute. Uh, we're going to break. Under a minute. Literal minute. Bye. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And we're back uh, with an entirely new panel, an entirely new host. Uh, We've had sort of a mid-podcast coup d'etat, let us say. And uh, that's that's pretty fitting because we're going to be going back to the late Cold War to discuss Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. And here to help us do that, we've got Manuel Myberg. Hello, hello. And Matthew Galt. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me again. So we've all been playing the new Call of Duty, uh, Call, Call of Duty Reaganland. And I think y'all are much further along than I am, but I would say it's it's worth digging into what this game is about because there were some trailers that were pretty conspiratorial and uh, seemed to uh, 
draw an equivalence between movements for social justice and uh, racial justice and uh, reform of systemic equality, equating that with Marxist plots to undermine America. And we were a little bit curious as to whether that was like literally the, the theme of the game. And I'm only a few hours in. I'm not so sure, but I am pretty troubled by its presentation of the uh, of the 80s. And I'm curious what y'all observe have observed in your in your time with the game so far. So, Rob, you're you're referring to uh, a specific trailer, and then there was a good Kotaku piece about it. I think, right? Yeah. Is, is is the thing you're referring to the active I'm, I'm measures gonna... trailer? Right. Yeah. Gal, can you explain what that is? Gal, can you, one of you explain what that is? So there was a Soviet defector whose name escapes me uh, that after he defected, went around kind of talking about what he considered Soviet active measures um, in Western countries. Uh, and the kind of the part that they'd pulled out for this trailer, for the Call of Duty trailer, uh, was this Soviet defector specifically talking about how, um, you know, I'm already seeing the socialists and the communists infiltrate your country now. They're getting involved in leftist movements. They're, um, they're, they're, you know, you know, all of these civil rights, all the civil rights stuff that's going on. And it's played over, it's cut between footage of him giving the talk and footage of 1960s, 70s, 80s uh, protest movement footage, basically implying that any kind of leftist agitation or um, uh, civil disobedience uh, is a plot of the Soviet Union. And I would say that while that isn't specifically what this game about, it is very much um, a game about that that kind of recasts history as this grand fight between the United States and the Soviet Union. And you can pick any moment in America's history and there behind it, is some Soviet actors that are that are pushing things forward and and are the antagonists in places like Vietnam specifically and um, you know, the Iran hostage hostage crisis, uh, which was a horrifying opening to the game. Rob, I don't know if you want to dive into that. Yeah, I mean, can I, can, yeah, Emmanuel, uh, just to because I want to close the loop on this trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, when that hit, um. People were pre- pretty uh, upset about it for good reason that are explained well in that Kotaku article, especially because um, what you're describing as as like recasting leftist movements and like social justice movements as like a Soviet conspiracy, as a cultural Marxist like secret sleeper cell that's put here to like upend American society. It's like, as uh, Rob and Austin had like discussed really well, that is like literally the plot of a Ubisoft mobile game, Elite right. Squad. That was like literally the plot of it. So it was good to call that out. All that being said, that trailer is a totally a head fake. Like th- none of that is in here. That is almost just like, I, I don't know what they were thinking with that. That also makes it more sinister. Like, because then it's just because then you're just basically like that's just bait, right? That's just yeah. It kind of felt like oh, you know, we'll trigger the libs or something like that. It's like I don't really think that's what what they did, but it's like it is bizarre that to go down this like provocative 
road and then you find out that the game doesn't engage with that at all the game is much more what matthew described which is you know i would say it's like the real conspiracy is that reagan was right you know (laughs) what i mean it's like they are an evil empire and the communists are out to get us and thank god he was there to save us and it's real quick it was yuri bejnamov uh who was a soviet journalist and a KGB informant who can defected to Canada. Um, but I think that that trailer specifically speaks to one of the big problems I have with Call of Duty overall, but very, very specifically Black Ops, where they kind of pick and choose parts of American history that they want to highlight and then take them like wildly out of context um, in ways that feel grotesque. Um, And I know that a lot of other game companies do this, but there's something about the way that Call of Duty approaches uh, history that feels that feels worse than other games. I don't know why. I just have that feeling in my gut. Um, Well, like, I think um, the opening of this game is a good case in point. And uh, we can talk about like maybe the series arc as a whole later or maybe we'll revisit the uh, you know, the complete theory of Call of Duty uh, at a later date, because I've been uh, that's, that's something I want to get into at some point. But uh, this game opens on this basically revenge mission of the CIA has located the master masterminds be, be, behind the embassy hostage crisis in Iran uh, following the uh, revolution there that, that brought down the Shah. And the notion is, first of all, it's like we found the two masterminds who did it. It's the classic movie, like, you know, two, uh, like, candid photos of the people sort of captured uh, doing shit during the during the mission briefing. Here they are. Here are their names. And if you know literally anything about the embassy hostage crisis, the notion that there's two masterminds out there running around Europe is laughable. Um, first of all, like this, this is not Hezbollah. So this is, it's not going to be like some sort of Lebanese cell, uh, with tons of ties to the, the, the rest of Europe. Like this was, this was an Iranian revolution. And specifically the reason the embassy was stormed, uh, in contravention of international custom is one, it was a revolution. It was a chaotic time, but two, the embassy absolutely was the central hub of us intelligence operations in Iran for decades. And you could lay a lot of the uh, tyranny of the Shah's regime and its continued maintenance of power uh, at the feet of the CIA uh, and MI6. And so like, this was not some sort of random, uh, you know, how dare they go after our innocent diplomats? Like the, the embassy in Tehran in uh, the late seventies was absolutely hostile to the revolutionary forces. Uh, it is there were a lot of people who were caught up in that hostage crisis who had nothing to do uh, with, with with the Shah, really. But nevertheless, the notion that it was you know complete, like the notion that we still, I think, to this day in the U.S. have this victim complex around the hostage crisis, uh, which somehow then justifies any sort of uh, hostile. Uh, or harmful posture to Iran is is ridiculous. Like it is, this is one of those things that like makes you want to scream. You're a great power. You're an empire. Get the fuck over it. Like this is the cost of doing business. Um, but 
in this game, we have to get revenge uh, because they took they took these hostages. And so you're plunged into a uh, an op in Berlin where one of these dudes is holed up and the cops aren't going to come. So you got like you got 15 minutes to go and like take this guy down in his entire cell. And it's bad right from the start. You go out to uh, a car, you get you pick you pick your poison for that weapon. You you, you pick you pick your weapon, and then you go track these dudes down. And uh, it's like New Year's Eve, and they're all just like hanging out in their dining room. Uh, basically, you see them through like a patio window. And there's a bunch of dudes standing around. And the uh, poor man's Robert Redford uh, you're with. Um, it was like they got the likeness from Spy Game, but they like fucking scarred him up, but then got a bad voice actor to, to do it. Sorry, the voice actor is probably fine. The con- concept of the character sucks. The direction sucks. Um, but he's like, light him up. And so it opens with you just gunning down a bunch of dudes and absolutely cold blood. And then... You kill a bunch more of his cell in in Berlin, chase across a rooftop, and then you capture him and you interrogate him. And the game keeps being like, you just want to throw this guy off a fucking roof? Hey, wouldn't it be fucking rad if you took this terrorist who took our American diplomats hostage, if you just put him off a fucking roof through the roof of a car? That'd be awesome, right? And you have to give you like, like three chances to do this. It repeatedly yeah. <laughs> asks you if you want to toss this guy off the roof. And I keep being like, I'm just going to interrogate this guy. And the game's being like, okay, if you want to be a fucking sissy, you little wimp. Like, you sure you don't like... Like an American man would would toss this guy off the roof, uh, and so you, you have to like deny the uh, you have to deny the execution like Christ uh, three times uh, before the before the cops come, and what he reveals is the other dude is is somewhere else. Your your mastermind is in another castle uh, in Turkey. Turkey. Yeah, but. At the end, he's like, but you you Americans, you, you have rules. You can't hurt us. And uh, poor man's Robert Redford, I think, sort of nails what the ethos of this game is, which is just uh, American imperialist uh, revanchism. Uh, he says, you took hostages. The rules changed. And at that point, like, I'm already like, get fucked. Get fucked. Um, what, what was hilarious to me about, because I also, like, made note of that, like, you have rules line, which... You know, it's like, that is very intentional because the point of this game and uh, I think part of the complete theory of Call of Duty, it's like, it's it's a, it's a part of every game where it's like somebody at some point literally says the line, um, you know, we're the people who have to cross the line to make sure it's still there in the morning. So it's like, we have to break the rules to uphold the rules. It was just hilarious to me that the mastermind behind the hostage crisis like he would also think that america has rules you know this country that has completely torn his homeland apart that like carries out all these secret assassinations it's like he also thinks that america has rules i think like that's probably not his point of view it was just like a funny and i love the we get that line a little bit later um where you're in the room with haig and reagan where Haig is like, hey, nothing, none of this stuff's going to be illegal, right? And then one of the Call of Duty characters is like, every fucking thing we do is illegal. It just very much just kind of, again, Bitch. yeah, yeah. <laughs> to and, General Haig. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is, and I think this gets to do another thing. Um, 
this game is an historical fantasy, but it has nothing to do with history. And I mean that down to like down to every detail. Like in that room, you have an uncanny valley uh, general uh, Alexander Haig, um, and an uncanny valley uh, was that Cap Weinberger? Uh, in, I was trying to figure out who I that think, was. I, I think, think it was, was Weinberger. Cap. Yeah. And so, but they look like they look like dudes of the eighties, right? And mm-hmm. then the camera cuts to the Black Ops boys sitting at the end of the table, and they're all like operators in the two thousands. They got their fucking like special forces, like non standard regulation beards. Um, <laughs> basically, like they look like they're about to sell you like beard grooming products, which is the uh, that that is the aesthetic of uh, tier one operators uh, these days slash proud boys is like a bit like the Spartans, a lot of like, you know, oiling of, of the hair mm-hmm. and the ringlets. Um, and a lot of, uh, like sort of put upon frustration that they're not allowed to do whatever the fuck they want. Uh, which if we were just unshackled, right? If that's we why we just need to form our own coffee company that, that celebrates yeah. <laughs> our values. Um, <laughs> and this is, this was one of the big, uh, one of the big arguments about Vietnam too, after it was over, right? Is if we had just allowed America off the chain, we would have won that war, right? Yeah. Um, and I think I think the the Iran intro is even grosser. Uh, I want to highlight something that I thought was really fucked up. Um, is the it takes place eleven days the op, the op where you go and mess these guys up takes place eleven days before Reagan's inauguration. That's right. It's New Year's, and it's implied it's implied that Reagan sent you on the operation. Um, now, historically, yes. uh, the Iran hostage crisis had been going on during Carter's presidency. It became a political football during uh, that election between Reagan and Carter. Reagan wins roughly 20 minutes after he's inaugurated. The hostages go f- go free. Um, now, this became like everyone, journalists, the Senate, Congress was like, hey, that looks super weird. Uh and people like the New Republic, uh, there's a Senate investigation committee. People dive into this and try to figure out like, hey, was Reagan back channeling with Iran before the election to delay the release of these hostages? Um, or did they just hate Carter so much? And this like like other um, conspiracies in American life, this thing is thoroughly investigated by multiple parties. And bizarrely, even though it looks really bad, uh, no one can find any evidence that, are, that there was a back channel at all. It's complete conspiratorial fantasy. What I think is interesting about this particular take on the call in, take on it in Call of Duty is it says a the conspiracy was true and b the conspiracy was good. And if we had just gotten Carter out of there sooner and sent and sent in Reagan's boys, we could have had this all cleared up so fast, right? Well, and then remember early this year, um, some papers emerged from I think the Rockefeller Library. Uh, that did indicate that there were back-channel efforts to scupper any efforts by the Carter administration to negotiate the release. Like, literally, in 2016, there were a round of stories being like, look, this is a conspiracy theory that's been, like, dead. It's dead and debunked. And then in 2020, like, the very start of this year, uh, like, new evidence came to light that suggests, like, oh, yeah, Reagan completely spiked uh, the hostage negotiations uh, much like Nixon did uh, with the Paris peace talks. So, yeah. So, again, even here, the notion that this is at all about uh, 
you know, justice for the hostages is laughable. They're they're used here as a prop, uh, as they were historically, to justify um, a posture and uh, and and what's going to come next. And what comes next is a an introduction that everything bad in history is down to this one rogue Soviet mastermind agent, uh, Perseus. And there, again, this is the movie logic of these games, where the idea that there can be a mastermind who somehow masterminded the leaks at the uh, Los Alamos lab that allowed the Soviets to develop the bomb faster. Um, And also then this person would be engineering, you know, the fall of uh, South Vietnam, uh, you know, unrest in the United States in the 60s. The notion that there's some sort of mastermind who could do all that is is laughable. But nevertheless, here, it's like, you know, all those bad things in in history. Um, they're down to this dude, Perseus, and we got to go. We got to go get him. And this is where it gets weird for me. Like, your player character. So the guy you start playing as is this dude, Mason, um, who's a character you'll you'll be in his shoes in and out. But then you create your own character. Uh, which has the option of being male, female, or non-binary. But the main idea here is that their their alias is Bell, and Bell has been along with this crew for a lot of its key ops through the last like thirty years. And therefore, uh, what we really need to do is go and reminisce about the Cold War. And it seems like you're not just having flashbacks; you're like recovering memories by reliving these missions. And I, I don't know. This is where I started to get a little lost. Uh, Emmanuel, what, what is happening structurally in the story? What does this quest look like? How does it unfold? The, uh, like, the short answer is that what, what you're describing happens once. And that happens for the, like, Vietnam mission, which I think is also kind of grotesque. Um I am not really precious about, like, I remember back, I think it was the early 2000s when we saw, like, the first, like, shooter games about Vietnam. People were very, like, world-clutching about it, being like, oh, my God, it's, how can, how dare we go back to a war so recent and complicated? This is not World War II. This is not Nazis. This is way more complicated. Our legacy there is more complicated. Um, I don't really feel that way. I think everything is fair game to explore in a video game. Um, But... This I found really objectionable because it's like, did you play this mission already, Rob? Yeah. So it's just like, I mean, it opens and you're in a chopper and you're just like laying waste to villages, just like shooting rocket after rocket, blowing up huts. Just like, it's it's pretty, it's like, it's just pretty bad imagery. The thing that um, I always refer to when something like this comes up is like, uh, either of you read Jarhead the mm-hmm. the the book Desert Storm the memoir book yeah mm-hmm. yeah and you know how he talks about um when they were like trying to get pumped up about the invasion they were watching all the anti-war movies from the 60s and 70s Apocalypse Now and Deer Hunter movies that were like made explicitly to be like this is bad the thing that we're doing is bad but it's like they still looked cool. So all the soldiers, all they got from it was like, this is going to be rad. It's going to look like the movie. And I feel like this, this 
video game or like this level specifically is like people who watched apocalypse now and were like this is rad uh that's what it feels like um but back to the structure um the thing that you're describing happens once and then they just move on and it's like a more traditional uh black ops game where it's like you're just sent to different parts of the world and and at the end of each mission you get like a little clue about what happens next um but i would say that the whole thing feels pretty confused and like kind of phoned in um it feels like you know here's an idea for a level here's an idea for a mission and like we'll figure out how to string them together uh i'll remind you that last time they didn't make one of these right so it's like there was black ops 4 and they were just like i forget what the reporting on it was but it's like they they, they had been working on a single player game and they were like there's just we can't pull this off we have too much going on we don't have enough of a thing here let's just skip it and this feels like that only they were like let's put it out you know what i mean it's like and there's a lot to to discuss here and to unpack and like what it's presenting and like what the politics of the game uh is but i think like above all else it's just it feels really slight you know the game overall feels really slight and really um especially compared to uh the last call of duty game modern warfare where they like it seems like they put a lot of effort into like rethinking what this is and like reinventing it um this is just like all right let's let's figure it out let's like do another black ops let's we'll we'll, we'll, do, we'll have a chopper level we'll have a berlin level and it'll, it'll work out <laughs> you know what i mean it's like that's that's the overall impression that i get so i haven't played um i haven't played the other black ops games i've played the bunch of the modern warfare uh i've obviously played the world war ii games is this just a retread of like the greatest hits from black ops like are they revisiting literally like basically locations and even sequences they've they've done before yes it feels like I, I can't stress enough how Emmanuel and I kind of talked about this, how like going through the motions this game feels. Um, all of these kinds of levels, we've seen them before in all the other Black Ops games. Um, we've seen them play with historical settings and kind of do this what's your identity with the main character stuff before. Uh, I don't want to spoil the game for you, Rob. Um, but yeah, a lot of this is just retread. It just feels like we, you know, people liked what they know what they liked about black ops one and two. We'll just give them another one of those. Um, so here's your Berlin level. Here's your stealthy sneak around dressed as someone level. Um, it, it all feels very rote and tired in a way that modern warfare, even though it also had like weird politics, um, was fun to play. Right. Um, one of the most disturbing levels in modern warfare is the, the one that's modeled after Benghazi, which is like a revenge Benghazi level. Uh, but it is when you're the moment to moment gameplay of that level and going through it and playing it and feeling like you are completely surrounded on all sides. Um, it was, was fun and it was challenging and it was interesting in this, uh, you know, the Vietnam level, I think specifically, you are, it's a complete, uh, it's like you're, you're, it's like a POW missing in action, the Chuck Norris knockoff of Rambo two, where you're just blowing through rice patties and killing faceless, uh, uh, Vietnamese soldiers. 
uh, that are, and it's completely contextless from what el- what else is going on in the game, and it doesn't feel rooted in anything. It's very strange. Yeah, it seems like there was a serious conversation about modern warfare where it's like it was what does it mean to make modern warfare now what what does it mean to make like a post post 9-11 game what does it mean to make like a forever war game and it's like we've had that discussion about how successful that was and what's good about it what's bad about it but at least the conversation was had and this doesn't feel like that at all it's like that's what I was expecting, especially given the like the Reagan trailer. Um, and we can we can go back and talk about why he's in the game. Um, but it's like it, it, I, I was surprised and disappointed that it appears that conversation did not take place. They're just doing the same thing, which feels very weird, given that we're in a time where it seems like ripe for exploration to like for conspiracies and, uh, um, you know, subverting the attention, the, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like disinformation and all that. It's like, it's, it's, we've been thinking about that a lot more and we've been feeling like the victim of that more than the, uh, people carrying it out. So I thought it was going to get into that, but not really. No, it's a complete fantasy about American life. Uh, right, in American history. And I think, like, using... I always think it's interesting when the CIA are the heroes of a story. Um, But especially, like, in this specific timeline. So we have to remember, this is right after the Church Commission and years of congressional, like, just beating the drum. Uh, we, we find out about all of the assassination plots and, like, all the weird connections with Kennedy and, and you know, all the, and, like, dosing uh, American citizens with LSD without telling them. We find out all these horrible things about the CIA, like, right before the plot line of this game starts, right? And so I think a character like Reagan is important because Reagan occupies, like, this mythic place in the American mindset, Um and for people who have the politics that we do, uh, we don't look at him, I think, the same way a lot of like a lot of America does. Right. There's a lot of people that look at Reagan as the last time America was uh, I hate to put it this way, but great and morally great. I think I think that's important mm-hmm. um, because he had a very it was a very fucked up vision, but he had a very clear moral vision of what America and what a right and wrong was. And America was always on the right side, right? So anything it was doing to help freedom, quote unquote, in America, um, it didn't matter what dirty skunk works fucked up thing you were doing in the background, right? Um, And we could have had, yeah, you're right. We could have had a really interesting conversation about what that myth means in a Call of Duty game, uh, but we didn't. Instead, we just got another by the books COD. So I thought I thought I was sure this was going to be the setup. I think that I thought the reason you trot out Reagan for a trailer like this meticulously obsessively made Reagan is that you're going to use that to show well, here's what was actually happening in the 80s. You know what I mean? And it's like we've brought up one thing which is like the October surprise conspiracy theory, right? Which is like, you know, there was 
an investigation in both chambers of, of Congress, and both of them found that there was nothing wrong with it. But you know what did happen, and is a conspiracy theory, and is very real, is the Iran-Contra thing. And it's, it's like, I thought, it's like, if you're going to make a game where you feature Reagan, you're going to get into that. And it's like, that's, there's a lot to do there, you know, for a Call of Duty game. Um, and they don't, they don't do it. <laughs> they don't do it at all. It's like, the reason they, like, put him in the game is just for what it looks like in the trailer. It's just like a celebration of him. Um, to be fair, there's not like a ton of him in there. There's like what you see in the trailer, which is like this long scene where he's like, you know, out you go, boys, like do the dirty work for America. And then he becomes like, you know how before a Call of Duty level loads, there's like two generals or something talking about like what you're going to be doing right. and why. So it's like Reagan is one of those voices right am i they don't they don't name him but i think it's pretty clearly the same voice actor yeah i think so uh it's it's yeah. hard because they're not leaning into like a super hard reagan impression but i'm pretty sure that that's what's going on yeah yeah so he's just like he's just like the daddy of the of the of the black ops boys you know and there's and, and he loves us and that's good yeah that's, that's it he literally <laughs> that's does, just does show up to bless them and be like yeah now nobody's going to be grateful and your your triumphs will happen in the dark, but the cause of freedom will. And I think you know that's that's as far as it's going to go uh, in this game because you can't. I think the thing that frustrates me about it is that it's not even good Reagan celebration. Like if there were more here for me to hate, I would be more interested in it. If this were more of a Reagan centric, like. And here's how Reagan, with his Black Ops boys, uh, you know, saved the free world, uh, which is a phrase that gets thrown around a lot in this game, the free world. Uh, that would have been interesting as well. Um, but instead, he is just there to provide this sort of anodyne like blessing. And then he kind of disappears because and I think that's telling is because if you actually like pause if you actually make reagan sit still and you actually look at like not how those years felt to contemporaries um to to your average american the, the reagan democrats who've become this mythic feature of american politics uh if you actually like looked at what did reagan do uh in the service of uh fighting communism and ending the cold war the record is ambiguous to bad uh, both in terms of things he was involved in, Iran-Contra being uh, one of the salient examples, but also his like full-throated support of uh, like dictatorships in Latin America. Um, but the game is smart enough to duck all of this and instead just throws you on a really preposterous, like, action sequence globetrotting action sequence that really is divorced from a lot of the or to me at least feels divorced from a lot of the politics of the late cold war um to me i'm surprised by how not 80s it feels uh despite like the the haircuts and the costumes are right but in terms of like what is happening in the world of of black ops it actually doesn't feel like the 80s at all it doesn't feel like the late cold war no not at all it feels like the 60s Right. It feels mm -hmm. like the Cold War of the 60s, which is which is kind of speaks to, I think. In 
In Reagan's mind, I think there was an attempt to resuscitate that conflict. Yes. Right. He needed uh, he needed the evil empire for America to stand against. Right. So, of course, it wouldn't look like it did in the 80s, because what it looked like in the 80s was was kind of sad and boring. Um, and there's a great show uh, like Berliner 1983 or something that's that's anyway, I, I won't get into that. Uh, but it's like a lot of spy versus spy stuff that's kind of boring. It doesn't make for a good uh, Call of Duty video game. I don't think it wouldn't work. So, well, there is. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, Emmanuel, because I'm actually going to get into something else. So, what's your thought? The, the the there's one level I think in this game that is very good, and is is the game I wish they made. Um, when we talked about Modern Warfare, we talked about how Call of Duty always picks like a movie or two that that it copies. So, I would say. You know, mod- the last Modern Warfare was Zero Dark Thirty. That was a big influence. Like, that's the vibe of the game. And it copies sequences directly. And this game is uh, spy game. Munich and spy games, right? So it's like the Berlin and, and Amsterdam stuff. It's like, that's clearly Munich, like, you know, uh, revenge missions against terrorists. And then um, the spy games you get mostly from this Robert Redford knockoff. But eventually you get to a level... Because what is Spy Games? Spy Games is like a really fun movie where you cut from CIA operatives out in the field doing CIA stuff. It's and then an Robert Redford. Interview. It is a two and a half hour yeah. exit interview. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> and it's, so it's like there's that part of it that's really exciting. But then the really exciting part is like Robert Redford like pulling the strings at, at Langley or wherever he is. Just like working the bureaucrats to 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 do what needs to to get done and eventually they do kind of get at an attempt at that and it's like it's at the kgb headquarters and it's the sequence where you need you need to let the black up black ops boys in so they can steal something and in order to do that it's just like you know, it's basically a series of fetch quests you know it's like i'm going to go talk to the security officer who can give me the key so i can talk to this suspect who can kill this other general. And it's like, it's not like super elaborate, but it is very, it shows a lot of promise. It seems like maybe at some point that we're thinking of making that game. And that would be really interesting to, to actually attempt at making like a spy games, both, both parts of spy games. So there's, there's two things that this actually does lead to what I wanted to get into. Um, I think it has become a it became a bigger and bigger problem over the arc of Call of Duty where it became nothing but action set pieces with no real uh there were no more peaks and valleys in terms of intensity or spectacle like it was always brief setup and then all hell would break loose and it's funny cuz if you go back to the, like the World War 2 games they are sedate compared to the average pace of your Call of Duty now uh because they they followed more war movie pacing where like fights would escalate. There would be like down tempo times where like the squad is approaching its next objective. There's a little bit of chatter uh, in these games. They keep cutting down on the amount of like uh, table setting in, in every mission. And then also cranking up the action to like these uh, ridiculous overdone uh, heights so that it ends up making the thing feel very flat, right? Like the Vietnam experience um, is, 
in addition to the fact that it's just kind of gross that you're like orbiting a uh, Vietnamese town and just like devastating it with minigun fire and rockets, it's also just flat because there is no, you just went straight into that. And it's like, okay, you have 30 seconds to just fuck up this town with helicopters. And then you have to go land and like run through real fast and kill everyone. And at no point does it evoke any of like the Vietnam movies it wants to. There's like, there's, there's none of the, the pacing there. Uh, there's, there's no sense of menace or jeopardy or even spectacle because like you just turn, you basically turned on your console and like Vietnam starts exploding before your eyes and like just without context. And I think if you look at the movies that it's trying to evoke, um, I think spy game is a really interesting one because spy game is a boring movie in a lot of ways. It tries to be, uh, spy game is, is that a Tony Gilroy script? I think it's Tony Gilroy. Um, but it's a Tony Scott uh, movie. I forget the. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look that up for me. Cause I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a Gilroy, uh, uh, script. Uh, but spy game is basically Robert Redford's character is quitting, uh, the clandestine service. And on the day of his retirement, he receives word that somebody he is connected to has gotten into trouble in a uh, Chinese prison. Uh, basically, they were they were taking part in a prison break. And for whatever reason, the solution to this entire problem is that they just need to interview Robert Redford to figure out what like to get to the bottom of, of whatever this catastrophe is in China. And by the way, it's an interesting period piece because looming over it is this is, I think, right before uh, permanent normal trade uh, relations is instituted. And so this is one of the things they just do not want any controversy with China right now because they're normalizing relations. Um, but anyway. So he basically is telling the entire history of the Cold War from Vietnam through to the 80s uh, through the series of flashbacks. And most of it is about kind of just the boring table setting that goes into Spycraft, uh, building contacts, etc. It's a it's a very dull movie, but it does I think get at something real about intelligence work and then also does have some spectacular cool moments. And then the real drama, Emmanuel, as you pointed out, is seeing him use the bureaucracy against itself and use these tools to finally, you know, on his last day of work, maybe do something good uh, as opposed to what he's been doing for the rest of his career. <laughs> but this move, th this game, basically it can't take any of those sequences Without saying, like, you know what would be cooler is if uh, a machine gun fight broke out in this part. So, like, there's a sequence where uh, Brad Pitt is trying to meet somebody in Eastern uh, East Berlin in, in Spy Game. And the entire thing is basically him deciding whether or not he wants to take somebody back across the wall or just abandon them uh, in East, East Berlin. The entire point is at no point does he encounter uh, Stasi. At no point does he encounter uh, regular police. Like, it, it's an entire thing that happens – with just a sense of like paranoia and dread. And this game, everything has to be heightened where you go into East Berlin and like literally on every street corner, Stasi are like bracing a suspect and being and like beating the shit out of them everywhere. Like everywhere you go, like there's a current police interrogation. And then you have a stealth sequence that if you break it, now you are running around East Berlin, shooting it out with the cops 
with like Kalashnikovs and the MP5s that the that the East Berlin guards carry for no apparent like that is a that is a Federal Republic weapon, uh, not not East Berlin, but nevertheless they got MP5s, um, and so instead of that spy game vibe, instead it's like what if Robert Redford and Brad Pitt just like whipped out Kalashnikovs and just like cleaned that city out, and that is <laughs> that is what you get. But what what ends up happening? when you do that is you get kind of a long, dull sequence um, where it's like, it's just not cool. It thinks it's cool, but it's just not. It's interesting too, that Berlin level speaks to something else. I've been noticing about the game where it feels small. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like in modern warfare, there was a sense that there was stuff going on beyond whatever street I happened to be on. You felt like you were part of a wider world. Whereas, and it really hits me with that Berlin level. It feels like I am in the linear hallway of this video game that they have created. And there is no sense that anything is happening beyond this street. Because as you said, there's like three Stasi interrogations happening within my line of sight, right? All the action that's to be had is happening in this moment. My next quest objective, which should logically be across town, is around the corner from the bar I was just in. Um, and it never, you never get a sense of scale of these places at all. Uh, and it ends up you just feeling very, very small scale and claustrophobic almost in a way. A contact you're supposed to rescue is being held in a basement that is like literally kitty corner from your safe house. Right. <laughs> it's like, this is so incredible. Like, like all of Berlin basically takes place in a courtyard and they disguise <laughs> it because they make you, if you do the stealth route, instead of just shooting your way across the courtyard, you go entirely around three faces of the courtyard uh, through different buildings. And it's ridiculous. It's like this entire drawn out sequence to make you cover like 50 feet of ground. uh, Cause there's just, there's just not that much. And I, I think it does point to, this feels like such a design by not designed by committee, but it feels like when you see that list of studios that worked on this game, it also feels like just different teams did levels and they assembled it in post, basically, which is yep. why. Yeah, it feels like they're pulling stuff off the yes. shelf. It's like we have the Vietnam level. We have, uh, you know, this like semi-stealthy sequence that we can pull here. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. And, and again, it's like, just remember that like they skipped one of these last time. So I don't know. It's like. Are parts of what they were working on last time in here? Is this completely something new? I don't know. What was the point of that Vietnam level? Was it just they wanted you to remember to see if you could jog your memory about anything about Perseus? Was that like the whole is, reason we did okay. that? So is the only, you can tell me more. Emmanuel, tell me if it comes back. But what I can glean is that your character, Bell, has this recovered memory session to this awesome time in Vietnam. It's amazing. All the dialogue is like, Bell, are you, are you ready to talk about what happened in Nam? And you have dialogue options that like, man, I haven't talked about Nam in years. And like one of the other guys in your squad, Sims is like, man, I don't like thinking about Nam. And it's like, cool. And it's like, all right, this is gonna be painful, but like it's time to revisit what happened in Da Nang, uh, which I guess nobody got the memo that Da Nang is coastal. Um, cause this is definitely in the Highlands. Um, so complete wrong, wrong geography, but nevertheless, um, so 
you go and it's like, what's what's the traumatic recovered memory that Bell is going to give us? Uh, the time we awesomely fucked up a bunch of NVA troops. And yeah, busted. Creedence Clearwater was blasting. We were ripping it up. Yeah. And so the but the entire point of it is Bell remembers the part where they found this Russian listening post. And you kill the Russian dudes in it and you find this code book. And people are like, oh, we found Kurt Perseus's code book. But then people forget. They get distracted by the importance of this find because just as you find it, you get a radio message that's like the firebase is under attack. And that's where you discover <laughs> that there is a nuke at the firebase uh, because – and the game, to its credit, does highlight this. Uh, at a stage in the war when it was not going well, which was a lot of it uh, – Westmoreland, who was then commander of the, uh, I think, MACV, uh, Military Assistance Command, uh, was like, you know what we're going to need to do to stabilize the situation possibly is release tactical nuclear control to field commanders, uh, i.e. me, in Vietnam. And as far as I know, that plan withered on the vine. Like, Westmoreland, like, made a request that was, like, prima facie, like, beyond the pale, for a field commander. Like it was it was MacArthur level grandiosity. Um but in this game, it goes to goes so far as somehow the plan is we're gonna put tactical nuclear devices at forward operating bases and fire bases in Vietnam uh to I guess nuke the country in order to save it. But you have to go back and rescue the nuke before the NVA can overrun the outpost. Um but in the wake of that, after you've after you've saved the nuke, uh, what everyone realizes is because you remembered the code book, the group now has the code book. <laughs> like that's it. That is like you come to it's like whoa, I a, oh I didn't like that flashback. And it's like man, you decoded that code book faster than anyone we've ever seen. And Bell's like, what? I don't remember that. Uh, which by the way, this entire game has this vibe of like there's something up a bell. Uh, there's little visual audio hallucinations. TVs do weird shit when Bell walks into a room. You see clips of like some bizarre stuff on the screen, but then it's gone. Um, but Bell's like, whoa, like I decoded a code book. And they're like, yes, you did. And that unlocked the next mission. Um, but yeah, so the reason, the point of the Vietnam mission was so that Bell could recall the time they found Perseus's code books. And therefore... Basically, but be like, hey, uh, we have a code book. And then Adler, Robert Redford, was able to put in the requisition order for the code book. And that was it. That's why you do that. I love the idea that um, while he he's just Bell is just sitting there while Adler and Sims and the other characters are kind of around him. Like, hey, you remember when you got into that chopper and then you killed all those Vietnamese people for us? Do you remember? Do you remember that? Wasn't that awesome? And just like just completely feeding that person lines and memories. Uh, like if we zoomed out and that was what was going on at the end of the game, maybe it will all have been. Worth so it. if I'm holding out hope for a Manchurian candidate uh, slash like MK Ultra type mind control thing. Emmanuel, am I in the right? Am I barking up the right tree? Fuck yes. All right. This game could still be saved. <laughs> Twist ending. <laughs> It will not redeems yeah. the message. Spoilers. I wish. Be. I w- So uh, another defining feature of the Black Ops games versus the 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 main series is 
giving you somewhat of a choice in the moments of the game. I don't know if, uh, Galt, if you remember that from previous games, but it's like you get choices and there's even like several endings and stuff like that. So it's like, um, Jordan, who we work with, also finished this game over the weekend and he did the quote unquote bad ending. Rob, I have a feeling you're going to love the <laughs> bad ending. Like imagine in a game where, uh, Reagan is the god daddy. <laughs> Imagine what imagine what their bad ending would be. That would be an ending that you would like. You know what I mean? You think Jordan killed it's like, Reagan and Mary Nancy? <laughs> I mean, not that, but it's Just like given to the Oedipal impulse of <laughs> you always you marry Jane Wyman. What's wrong with you, Rob? Yeah. Um, like, like what 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 is the communist nightmare resolution of the Cold War? Is is you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. I just imagine McDonald's arches falling. That's all I can see in my head. <laughs> Instead of the Berlin Wall coming down, <laughs> yeah. it's like McDonald's signs. Uh, yeah, it. I. It's such a preposterously dumb game, um, <laughs> and like it, it, like it always is. Um, but I am struck again just by how vapid this series is for the resources they have available to throw at it. It is astonishing how behind the times this series consistently seems um the yeah can i get into like a a a few like uh deep like nerdy call of duty specific things so um i've played all of them Mm -hmm. and i've dabbled in the multiplayer of all of them and i think modern warfare is is the best one and at this point i've played it more than any other one and because of warzone which i play socially it's like i've played it a lot like i i, I play it almost daily I've, I've stopped recently but we we a few of us play it uh a lot and in addition to like rethinking conceptually what call of duty is there was like a big tech upgrade that they did for modern warfare it's a new engine and i forget they have weird naming conventions but i think it's like mw8 is is the engine that they did for uh the recent modern warfare and it's like the movement is a little slower but vaulting is like really smooth and the sliding is really smooth and it just like feels more grounded compared to other call of duty games um and this game is using the previous black ops engine which is itself like a version of an older iterated upon engine so in a very real way it feels like a step back from uh modern warfare it just feels like an older if you think about the legacy of call of duty games where it's like the original was like some modified quake engine and all of them had this like really fast almost cartoony arcadey movement they ditched that in modern warfare and like changed it up a bit and now this is going back to that and I think it makes it feel really old and 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 dated. And that's true for both single player and 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 multiplayer. Um just quickly on on multiplayer, it seems to me like that's where they put in a ton of effort. Like that's where they really try to like, okay, let's put our mark on this. Um and I only played it a little bit, but they basically turned it into Battlefield. Is 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 kind of what they did. It's it's like a big map. You you take and hold these points. It's like I think it's uh the biggest like twenty four v twenty four, 
Um, and it's very, it's, it's interesting and it's, it's a departure. So, so, so I'm, I, I want to try it a bit more, but it is still, it, it feels wrong to me as someone who has spent so much time playing modern warfare. If it, it's just like the basics of like moving around and shooting the guns, it just feels old. Um, so it's, it's kind of a non, non-starter. And then there's, they just put up a blog post about how all of this integrates with um Warzone, which is obviously this like runaway hit right. that they have now. Um, but Warzone uses the modern warfare engine, but stuff you'll unlock in Cold War will be able to be added to modern warfare and Warzone. But so it's like it's it remains to be seen how all that stuff is gonna be integrated. So I'm in, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how they do that. Um I wonder if Yeah. Black Ops Cold War multiplayer is basically going to be like Dead on Arrival. Um, I, I I doubt it because the sales are through the roof. Yeah, like it's selling really well, and I know that people really like Black Ops and they like how it feels. Like there are people who prefer that game to Modern Warfare, but that that's pre the new engine. So I don't know how it will work out. You feel like Black Ops and Modern Warfare are the two pillars. Right. And, you know, there's they try all these different things that don't ever quite catch on. And people always want to return to these those two particular fantasies. So I think the last thing I'll, the last thing I'll say about this game is um, I, I do think the, the thing that really puts me off at and it, like from. You have all these issues with the way levels are designed, uh, it's really asinine vision of the eighties. But I think the thing that really like kind of grosses me out about it is that it has, I think it does like as detached from politics as from like real world politics of the era as it, as it feels, there is to me a, a palpable like core of just like late Imperial rage running through it. That is kind of creepy. Yeah, uh, it's it's it, like it's probably loudest in that uh, sequence at the start around the uh, the masterminds behind the uh, embassy hostages. But running through all of it is just the sense that like it's time to take the fucking gloves off and, uh, you know, do what's right, do what needs to be done. And along the way, we're going to psychically purge ourselves of all these regrets and setbacks that marked American foreign policy from Vietnam on. And we're going to, much like the Rambo movies eventually started doing, like try to give like a way to psychically triumph over things that were much more complicated or uh, uncertain in their resolution in real life. And it ends up making the game feel very modern insofar as it is much more reflective, I think, of how the Imperial project is discussed today, like among the right wing, than it is actually representative of how it was handled and like treated under Reagan uh, during the cold war. Like for me, Reagan had Reagan had this uh, moral moralistic vision of how the cold war should be fought and how, and what would be justified in fighting it. But also, uh, my impression has always been that the Reagan team's approach still tended to feel somewhat bound by the constraints of what was feasible 
within power at the time. And I think the trend since like really the Bush years, uh, Bush, Bush two is that any acknowledgement of constraint is itself an infringement. Uh, and what it would mean to what America needs to do in order to be uh, great again, to be a stronger empire again, is to just be fully unleashed and able to do the things that, uh, you know, the keepers of the rules did not allow it to do. And for me, that's what that's what's running through a lot of, of black ops. And I think it is one of those things that just feels anachronistic to me um, and deeply, deeply weird. Yeah, I think you're right, because uh, he had a lot of pragmatic people around him, right? And as long as he was able to sell the vision, that's all he cared about. And I think about things like um, the bo- the 1986 bombing in Libya, where anything that gets complex, he retreats from it. Yes. Anything, anything that gets complex or weird and in the weeds, it's not. He's not just going to go in with with uh, overwhelming American power. He's going to leave and tell and sell some snake oil to the American public, and he did that repeatedly. Um, it's kind of amazing how little blood and treasure Reagan spilled for the way that we remember him. Yeah. Um, Right. It was like spend money on defense, but don't actually deploy it for for the most part. Right. Star Wars. Right. Yeah. Build this build this epic satellite and like build dream these big dreams, but we're never actually going to use anything. Right. right. And and I think here there's this notion that somehow, um, yeah, America, America was chained down by rules and by, you know, archaic values. And much of the action of this game is taking this obviously group, obviously gross group of characters and being like, just, you know, going to turn you loose to, to do what needs to be done. And I think the, the other part of it is, of course, when have dudes like this ever not been allowed to basically do what they wanted? Like, yeah, the re- when have the gloves been on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like that's that's the other part of this. Like it, you know, and and because the game can't it refuses to address this, you, you have this you have this argument that um that the triumphalism of post World War II was lost because good men were denied the power to do what needed to be done. When really the the actual history of the of the post-World War II era is usually dudes a lot like this um, feeling empowered to do whatever they wanted uh, as part of the anti-communist project. And uh, that you do not like the destination of where that ended up is not, is not my problem. It is not, it is, it is not the problem of, um, you know, the, the, the rule makers to somehow for them to be shoved in a closet and set aside. Uh, and for these dudes to be turned loose across a greatest hits montage of uh, of Cold War scenery, so yeah. I don't know. I um to the to the yeah. history bit of it. Um, I find the 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 kind of like sincere deployment of Reagan to be really upsetting. It's just like I am still surprised that there was no subversion of him at all. And just thinking about, like, 
we're in the middle of like very difficult times, you know, and uh, our president is obviously key to many of these problems, but like in the middle of, in the middle of it that we are in it, we are able to see how you know ha, as you guys have discussed before, like he is like mostly a symptom of many problems, not the cause of them. And it's like we know that it's like we have this pandemic and that connects to our broken healthcare system and you know our relationship with China and all these very complicated things that affect us and that we're like struggling to deal with. And you know. I wasn't alive for for most of Reagan. It's like I don't I have no memory of it, but surely their lives were complicated and the situation was complicated. And I think, you know, what happens or what we're seeing happen here is like history has kind of collapsed into the to the leader. And once it's collapsed into the leader, not only do you lose like what was actually happening, like what was the actual situation? Um that, that led to these conflicts. But then it's like, once he collapsed it to the leader, it makes it easier to launder it. And we are seeing that happen actively right now with, with Bush too. Like oh, yeah. there, there's an attempt to kind of like launder what he did and who he is. Say and what you will, but re- the man's decency and belief yeah, in yeah. democracy was. He's painting, he's painting <laughs> the victims. Right. And it's just yeah. like, I'm just thinking it's like, if 40 years from now, they make some Call of Duty game, and there's like a sincere portrayal of Trump, like fully remastered and in, in, in whatever we're up to 84k at that point. It's just like, I would be so upset. You know what I mean? It's just like, and I'm I'm, I'm wondering, there yeah, abs- I would love to hear. There absolutely will be. That is 100% going to happen. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just like, and we know this happens. We know this is like, part of like, what happens over the years. It's just like, I know enough about Reagan and I know enough about the eighties to, 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 to know like some of the details. And it's just like, I don't know the, the thought of this happening to like what we're living through right now. It just like truly makes me ill. <laughs> yeah. I've been reading a lot about Reagan lately, obviously not enough. Um, as Rob point pointed out at the beginning of this podcast, but like, I think this is kind of what has happened here is kind of perfect in a way. Because you had these two views of Reagan right from the beginning of his right from the beginning of his life, where essentially half the people that saw him uh, and interacted with him took the facade that he was putting up at face value and believed that he was this 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 noble, forthright, morally righteous cowboy that he presented himself to be. Um, and then the other half of the people that interacted with him completely saw through the facade. And thought it was all bullshit. And you see this. I think there's like a really telling anecdote from his high school years uh, where he was a lifeguard. He claimed to have personally saved 77 people's lives while he was a lifeguard. That's the number that he put to it. It's they a printed fucking pool. Yeah. They put this <laughs> in the uh, they put this in his high school yearbook. And like half the people he went to high school with were like, Reagan's completely full of shit. And the other half like bought it hook, line and sinker. Um, And that is the story of Reagan throughout his entire life and into his presidency. And so now all that's left um, when we talk about Reagan is this collapsed history 
and this myth, the myth that he built persists, right? No one wants to talk like you talk to his children. You get a much different story about the man, uh, but nobody wants to talk to his kids. Everyone wants to remember um, when we had Nancy and Ron well, not everybody, but there's a lot of people that want to remember the good times of the 80s with Nancy and Ron in charge. And look, they were great on the cover of magazines. It's the famous Vanity Fair picture where he's sweeping her off her feet. And then underneath that, all this horrible shit is going on in American culture, uh, in American society, and in American politics in the 1980s, that he is just this smiling face on top of, right? Obviously, you know, the biggest the biggest one that comes to mind immediately is the AIDS crisis mm-hmm. and the complete, like, mishandling um, of that. Trickle-down economics, all these ways that being poor um, and being marginalized in this country, we're really, like, we're always not great, but we're actively, like, criminalized and, and, and punished, um, the, the, sorry, the, the, just something that people should like look up the Wikipedia page of is the air traffic controller strike. Mm-hmm. Is something that we've been yeah. Uh, yeah. thinking about lately in in regards to the post office. It's just like such a monumental act that had such devastating effects on labor to this day. Just continue. I'm just like, um, go ahead and Google that. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great example. That's a great example, and that was really early in his presidency too, if I remember correctly. That was one of the f- defining things of his first term. Um, but I see like, I've been reading like just a lot about Reagan lately. And I see this very obvious through line from him to Donald Trump and the way that, and I, and I already see it happening now. I see it happening actively that the way that we remember Reagan is, or the way that the right wing and the fans of Reagan remember Reagan is going to be the, like the way that they will remember Trump. It's going to be the same. I just can't believe that it's like. You work in a creative field. You work with other creative people. You you live through this moment that we're all living in, and you make a game about Cold War and conspiracies and 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 mind control and all of that. And the version of Reagan that you make is the he saved seventy seven people as a lifeguard version with like zero investigation. I'm just like I'm honestly shocked. It's like what are you doing? It's so, like why why isn't anybody having like a more interested conversation? It's like why are you even trying to make that game if you're not going to do any exploration of that whatsoever. I just, it's, I'm yeah, when you've got, when you have more interesting exploration of the myth of Reagan in wasteland three than you do in call of duty. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that I can't, there, there's, there's two thoughts I have with, with regard to call of duty. One is that increasingly the, the, the campaign stopped mattering because that's not what the fan base actually was signing up for year after year. It's more multiplayer. It's new multiplayer. It's different multiplayer. And so to a degree, there's an entire like Call of Duty's popularity is not explainable through its campaigns anymore. There is a decent subsection of its community that never really even interacts with the campaigns um, that it just doesn't it just doesn't exist. What increasingly when you install the game, uh, I think it gives you the option of being like, do you want to install everything or just like, you know, multiplayer. are you just here for your kill death ratio? Yeah, but I think. In conjunction with that, I feel like the series increasingly um, just fully embraced, like whoever is still playing those games or whoever is still making them, fully embraces the right-wing worldview. And I think to a degree you have to if you're going to make a game where the solution is to unleash unleash dudes with like squad automatic weapons 
uh, like in game after game and just like, you know, race hell uh, across the world that that to a degree you have to have a uh, really reductive um, annihilationist mindset to have that be the story every time uh, where dudes with guns are going to solve this. And even when the game has like I remember when Modern Warfare, the first Modern Warfare came out, there was some discussion in the game's blogging space about like, was the um, Spectre gunship mission anti-war? It was eerie. It felt anti-war because it, it captured uh, the eerie, uh, slightly malevolent feeling of like live leak videos uh, from that period. And so you could, you could play that sequence and think like, Oh, like, you know, there's a critique happening here. But I think increasingly it's been obvious that, like, there was no critique there at all. Um, and mostly, call, like, stuff happened in Call of Duty because it was topical and because it felt cool. And so when I look at a game like this, I think one of the reasons I feel profoundly alienated from it is that it fully feels like the reason it's not engaging with Reagan seriously at all or the history seriously at all is because basically this is the video game equivalent of an old like presidential photograph yellowing under glass in someone's house. And that's what we get here. This is, this is a call of duty campaign for whoever still has a sentimental view of Reagan. We built that story for you. Um, and I think this is one reason why I feel just so like profoundly certain that not only do I not like this game, but like it is being built for an audience like 180 degrees from me uh, that is still really bought into this myth of uh, Reagan as a unifying, uh, aggressive right wing figure. The last time America was great. Yeah. So. Not a good game. Not a good game. No, not even fun to play. And that's what's really shocking is like, even though Modern Warfare had grotesque politics, it was it was at least a good time to play. This one is not. Yeah, I. Uh, and I and that's not going to change. Like they, they move beyond the need to have good campaigns, clearly, yeah. I guess. Uh, so it's probably going to be this all the way down now uh, and has been for right. some time. Oh, think about how much media uh, force they spent last time around trying to tell everyone that the campaign was good again, right? There's that all that lead up to that game coming out where they were like, you know, we've really thought about like what war means and what it means to like interact with white helmets in the battlefield. And you know, you got to make these in it just like none of it was there. None of it was actually yeah. there. It was just another Call of Duty campaign. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we will leave it there um that's that's call of duty folks uh maybe maybe the multiplayer will win us over in time but probably not uh back to warzone for us uh yeah. yeah just really quickly uh quick temperature check we're all playing assassin's creed valhalla um emmanuel you've started playing it uh do you agree with with matthew's perspective uh do you do you like the valhalla uh, I agree that for whatever reason, it is delightful 
to just like storm an abbey mm-hmm. and kill the poor Christians. I don't know what's wrong with us. I don't know why it feels good, but it does. I don't know. I'm not going to lie. It just does. Take Christ silver. Uh, yeah. So it's like, that feels great. Um, I'm enjoying it a lot. I like, that's what I want to play right now rather than work. And I, I'm like, I'm looking forward to like playing it all of Thanksgiving break. Probably I will say, and I will challenge Matthew to explain because it's like, what part of the game is fun exactly? I'm not sure I can point at it, but like I told Rob earlier, it's like fun in the aggregate. You know what I mean? It's just like the notion of like invading England and like building my colony and like uh, recruiting people and like leveling up. It's like all of that sounds good. You know what I mean? On paper. And it's like, that's what I want to do. That's the kind of game I'm looking to get lost in right now. But whereas in... um. Sorry, what's a samurai game? Ghost of Tsushima. Um, yeah, whereas that game was like every movement in it felt really good to me. Like the sword fighting, the moving around, the riding the horses, all that stuff felt really good. Here, like none of that feels really good. But um, the game feels better. So, but 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 overall, like but like doing like making the numbers go up, so to speak. That part of it is good. But it's like the actual doing of it. It's like, do we? Does anybody think that the combat is actually good? It's better. It's not not. It's not Ghost of Tsushima at all. It's not not in the same class. But it is better right. than the last two. Right. So right. that's not good. The boat stuff is not very good. No, the boat is the just a vehicle to. The boat is just a vehicle yeah. to get to the next space. And if you can avoid but, 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 using the boat, then you should avoid using the boat. Right. But but it's not. It's not like it has to be that way. Like in in Black Flag, that was the best part. Right. Like mm-hmm. that part was really fun. So it's not. So, so they kind of screwed that up. Then. The dialogue is no good. The like little story parts are like hilariously bad and maybe kind of charming in how bad they are. Um, they're very else, so. they're. This is like Rob. You another. I think when we were talking about Watch Dogs, you were talking about the Ubisoftification, like the extreme bad comedy. Yeah. Um, as someone who studied a lot of medieval literature in college, <laughs> pushing my nose up my glasses. Um, the, the treatment of those side missions here is extremely in keeping with old English and middle English senses of humor. It's lots of fart jokes, lots of like weird, dirty stuff. That's very surreal and like Monty Python. Very weird. Um, and I'm, and I'm enjoying it. (laughs) And I I think the dialogue is good. And I think the story is really engaging and, and interesting. I'm actually here for the story a bit. I like, um, I think the tensions between whatever project that your brother Sigurd has embarked on, where it's like, fuck this. I don't want to serve under uh, uh, King Harald. I'm going to head and be king in my own land, i.e. a land I'm invading and taking (laughs) from other people. Uh, But the way to, the, the way in which, the game is getting at these tensions between, Hey, are we, um, like what is our rationale for being here? What justifies us being rulers here? Uh, is Sigurd going to earn this at all? Or are we just the latest in a bandit? Like England is a country of robbers and bandits and bandit Kings. And are we just yet another, uh, you know, set of strong men who've taken over a keep somewhere? 
Uh, I I think it, like some of the some of the writing is good. Some of it is uh, pretty hit or miss. But I do think Emmanuel, you and I were talking earlier today, and you said it's a good pacifier. And I do think um, that's a big part of it for me. Where like I'm a little bit like the sun in Teletubbies, where I'm just like again, and then the entire loop repeats. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. like the thing is, if I zoom in on any moment, like Abby raid. I'm like, that was awesome. And then I think, okay, but how was the combat? And I'm like, eh, a little less than awesome, to be honest. Um, okay, well, what about the like bigger named enemies, the elites that you encountered during the fight? Those were real fights, right? And I was like, eh, like not so much. But what about Can hunting I- for the treasure? Kind of annoying, to be honest. Okay, uh, then what happened after the monastery raid? Well, then I sort of rode into the country a little bit, and like I found some weird mysteries like there was a weird like i chased a dude out of a burning monastery across like you know three miles of english countryside that ended up in a haunted forest a barrow let us say and it was a cursed land and i caught the dude and he was like i'll mark a location on your map but now i'm in a haunted forest and there's like a creepy saxon knight stalking me and I have to go and lift the curse on this forest and then maybe figure out how I could ever get past that night. And somewhere in there, I'm like, as a whole, that experience ruled. Burned a monastery, had an exciting chase across a beautiful countryside, ended up in a place that felt truly strange and mysterious and like got up to some interesting hijinks. When I zoom in on it, like, how did I lift the cursed? Oh, I, I found a hole and I went down the hole and there was a cursed object glowing with cursed Danish energies. And I beat it up with a, I, I shot it with an arrow and the curse was lifted. That That's kind of weak sauce, but that's not how, how it hit for me. How it hit is like, I played Assassin's Creed this morning and at like before breakfast, I was storming ashore with my, uh, with my Carl's. Yeah. And we were storming a monastery, and then there was an exciting chase across the countryside, and then I was in a field in England, uh, you know, dealing with some heinous, cursed shit. That hole was a was cool. All the moments, kind of meh. Yeah, I mean, I will it, say, thus it ever was with Assassin's Creed, right? I think, yeah. like, you know, like that is. And I think this is an above average Assassin's Creed in general, but I think that since two, probably this is kind of what Assassin's Creed has been is trying is like, like you said, Emmanuel, a really good pacifier game. I think it's a, yeah, it's a great for that. Uh, Last night when I was playing it, I, uh, it was late. I'd kind of set aside the story missions and I was just going through the dots on the map that I hadn't cleared yet. Seeing like the weird mysteries and collecting loot, just getting that, that that dopamine hit over and over again. And you're right, like, uh, here's the 50th well I smash open to crawl down to find the chest. Um, and to a certain extent, you are doing the same thing over and over again, but this one just hits good. Um, and I think it's, it's the, it is a game that feels better, like you said, in some than it's, than, than it's discrete parts. Also a tip, um, the challenge, the difficulty sliders are pretty interesting. Uh, if you bump up two things I found to make combat more fun, bump up the difficulty just one notch from normal. Done. Um, and you can, you have a pretty, you have pretty great control over what your level is because you can respec at any point. 
So I kind of stop spending my talent point or my skill points uh, unless I'm in range of like the area I'm in. Right. So like right now I'm, I'm doing like like a level 160 areas. I've got way more points than that. I could go up to like. Oh, or so. okay. So you can like so, reverse level yourself. You can be like, I'm respecking, but don't assign all yeah. your points and therefore your power level stays lower. Right. And so you can you can, can make sure that you are in line with the difficulty of whatever area you're in. You've got a pretty great control over that. And that makes the combat feel a little bit better because I was in that situation earlier in the game before I bumped up the difficulty and kind of nerfed my own level where, yeah, I'm just just ripping through everything. Um, and like especially some of the boss fights uh, have gotten much more interesting on this higher difficulty and kind of nerfing my level back down um, made them feel more dangerous and engaging without being obnoxious. But it is still like it's not it's not ever going to be as good as like the way Ghost of Tsushima's combat felt. It's just not it's not there. Right. It's we're, better. We're talking it's good for an Assassin's like, Creed. I, I went from playing Demon Souls to this and I'm like, this is fucked. Yeah. Like, I hate this. This feels bad. Um, but I like it's still it's still much more interesting than than other Assassin's Creed's have been. Right. Uh, so we'll we'll keep uh, we'll keep checking in as we make our way through yet another colossal Assassin's Creed. Oh, and I figured out the gender switching when you what happens when you let the animus switch. Yeah, because it hasn't switched for me. I'm, I'm just I'm just me neither. Yeah. Uh, do, are you both letting the animus decide? Yeah. Okay. Um, have you built Fulke's or not Fulke? Uh, I can't remember her name now. The uh, the witch Valka comes over. Not Valka? yet. Not yet. Valka. I think Valka yeah. is her name. Um, she's got the quest for you to go to like to drink some stuff and go on a mythic journey. Yeah. That will you. It will. It, that will all will become clear once you do that. Okay. That will, uh, and it is specifically during her missions that the gender flip happens because it defaults uh, female Avor, correct? Yeah. yeah. Does it keep flipping throughout the game, or does it like does her mission flip it, and it's like her missions flip it? So when you're in, okay. when you're doing her missions, the gender flips, and it's only during her missions. Okay. Which ties yeah. into like greater plot details and ties back into like bullshit Assassin's Creed meta narrative stuff. It's not super important for the enjoyment of the game. Um, okay, yeah. cool. I'm curious to see what they end up doing with this, if anything, because yeah, they they do keep making a point of it. Like when you go up to when you go outside the animus to the ongoing plot. By the way, as somebody who hasn't finished any of these games and remembers uh, Layla from Assassin's Creed Origins as a pretty button down uh, researcher for Abstergo, you mm -hmm. cut to her strung out out of her mind in a cabin in New England, just like fully in like with nail and eye mode, uh, <laughs> like in her quest to like save the world. I'm like, whoa, Layla, what has <laughs> happened? Are you okay? And then she starts like drinking from the faucet and I'm like, probably not. No, no, uh, does not look okay. Uh, but you can know things are pretty, you know, things are pretty dicey for her because she's wearing like tons of eyeliner. Um, right. So uh, she, you know, she done got uh, Joker fied. And, um, <laughs> you know, who knows if 
who knows what that portends uh, for for the fate of the world in Assassin's Creed. Uh, but that will do it for today's episode. Uh, please send your questions to gamingadvice.com with subject question. As you heard at the top of the show, uh, we are quick to respond. Uh, we are comprehensive in our approach to the letterbox. You can keep up with the site uh, by going to waypoint.vice.com. And uh, you can follow us on social media. We are at Waypoint on Twitter. On Facebook and YouTube, we are Waypoint Vice. You can follow me on Twitter, at Rob Zachney. Uh, Matthew, where can people follow you? People can find me on Twitter, at MJGAULT. And I also have a national security uh, current affairs podcast called Angry Planet. And Emmanuel. Uh, I'm at uh, Emmanuel Myberg on Twitter. You're not going to do the... Um I just looked it up. I think did you lose Derek that bargain? Paying for the domain, yeah. I it think expired. Stop paying for it. Yeah, he paid for it. He bought Quick. me asked up bargains, and it seems to be gone. Quick, someone buy it so, up. <laughs> apologies. Wait, who, primo, who bought it? It's Primo Real Estate. Derek, Derek Mead, our former. You boss. sold it to Derek? No, he bought it for me. Oh, he was like, "Hey, guess what? Surprise! Asked up bargains is your Twitter now. <laughs> you should probably and buy that's what that URL, man." Like, yeah, and then he let it expire. I would not look at it. That's that it. is real. I think Kato's correct. That is that is valuable real estate. Uh, <laughs> as much as it might dismay me to acknowledge, like that, you know, three letter URL for a dot bargains. That's great. Uh, anyway, <laughs> our theme music is by Bowen. The track is "Miss You" off the EP "Pale Machine." Learn more at waypoint.zone slash Bowen B O E N. That'll do it for this week. We'll be back next week. Uh, not next week. Uh, we'll be back Thursday with another episode of Waypoint Radio. Friday. Uh, well, for me, it's Thursday, Kato. <laughs> I, I know. But for uh, them, you're right. I the should, you're right. I, I gave people a glimpse behind the curtain, and they were not prepared <laughs> to see. Um, Waypoint Radio I ain't getting that shit up ready reality. on Thursday. I don't got time for that. That's true. We'll be back <laughs> on Friday. With a show we recorded on Thursday. Yes. Until then, <laughs> fuck capitalism. Go home. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I was fucking with a million different settings uh-huh. all at once. Uh-huh. And so isolating which exact thing um, was causing it is tricky. Is there a randomizer uh. button on your uh, PC? It's just like, <laughs> change the setting! <laughs> just uh, <laughs> hit random a few times, hope it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, like a character creator. Yeah. Oh, I like this one. <laughs> this one doesn't have the hum in it. <laughs> Mm-mm. How's it going? Hey. Hi. You sound Robin boosted. Never Austin. I'm very happy for him. Let me take a look.
I'm boosted. I don't think I'm boosted. What did I what did I run that would have fucked with my audio? Oh. Hmm. Maybe you just louder than the last time we spoke, but you were just no, like very just, loud. <clears throat> Audacity was at like 89, so that's high for me. Okay. Gotcha. Um <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. So what do you want to come in on? Do you want to come in on Rob's Demon Souls? I still want to. Uh, I still want to know how Rob got rid of the hum. Sorry, there's two thoughts there. Sorry. I heard about the hum. Sorry. It's okay. Patrick, what did you mean? That was a joke. I'm not going to do it again. Okay. <laughs> well, joke is gone. Moment's passed. Uh huh. God damn it. So wait, what are we? What do we want to start with? Yeah, we should start with Demon Souls. Okay. I rebuild a character. Learn things about Demon Souls. So. Hmm. I am troubled by the lack of clear explanation I have for why the hum is cleared up. Mm. Like, um, what I really did, I went into, you know that little um, thing that appears in your taskbar? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little microphone icon? It's like three apps are using it. Mm. Um, I basically turned off everything except for Reaper and Discord. Mm. And now we're good. Well, that was a couple. That was one of several things I did. I also reseated the mic in the. Um, this is what got rid of mine. Yep. In the, Reseating the it, mic totally is what helped me. In yeah. the stand and huh. uh, changed the chord position. Mm-hmm. And then I had to go and I, du- I double checked all my uh, boost and level settings, but they were, they were all fine. Um, yeah. And. Was uh, it like touching something? Electrical hum? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, no, so, and, and yeah. then the other thing was, there is a, there is a fan in my room uh-huh. that is so quiet, like, I cannot hear it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I turn it off, it seems to have improved things a bit. Um, and given how weird the gain is on this thing, like, I don't sound particularly loud in my ears, but this mic picks up little things in such a weird way. It's like, it's not linear. It like is really boosting quiet things. Like the sound of me, like rustling papers on my desk is just incredibly loud, but then my voice sounds normal. So it's weird. Mm. Mm. That is weird. All right. I'm ready to go. If y'all are, Mm -hmm. I'm glad it is. Yeah. Um, y'all there? Yep. Let's do 20. International Day for Tolerance. For Tolerance. Oh. Well, we're probably off to a bad start. Let me check Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, uh, seems to be a conspiracy theory built around just, uh, a project the World Economic Forum is doing, uh, which, let's be clear, Plenty of critiques for the World Economic Forum, but it, when they're when it's the name of a project that they're doing, it's not a it's not like a you know there's nothing secretive happening there. Hey, look, YouTubers are putting a stop to intolerance. This is what I've learned reading this oh. page. And okay, we're good now. Thanks, YouTubers. Uh, wait for wait for the uh, reply videos to start. <laughs> God, um, all right, let's. Do a pod.